Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello. Hello. I like it. You said hello. You said hello. It sounded like hello. And it reminds me of this documentary I watched a while ago about uh, Nevermind, Nirvana, Nevermind. And there was this like like music expert and one of those talking, you know, they cut to talking heads and they yeah. didn't really have anything to do with it. But there was this guy who went, and there's a lyric where Kurt sings... Hello, 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 how low? And I just thought, that's genius. <laughs> Whenever I hear that song, I'm like, hello, that's genius. Hello, hello, how low? How did he do it? How wow. did he do that? that was, I once saw a band live and someone did that to me as we're watching the band. I saw the, the UK band Wild Beast and he says, I, conc- I concur, I concur. And then the last one sounds like I conquer. And he goes, and that one was a conquer. Do you get it? <laughs> I'm like, you yeah. went to, did you go to the gig with that old man musicologist? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, I'm just trying to watch the gig. And obviously it's during uh, live concerts. He's yeah. yelling this into my ear. <laughs> I con- conquer. Do you get it? That's <laughs> <laughs> huh? so genius. good. I love these guys. <laughs> is that Woo! a pun? Fuck yeah. That's, that is genius though, I will that say. That is genius. Yeah, um, that was Matt with, with talking then. <laughs> Yeah, but in both cases, that was me. I was on the documentary I was watching and I was yelling at Dave. <laughs> anyway, Dave, how does this show that we're doing work? Uh, I forget. Well, what we do here is we take it in terms of report on a topic often suggested to us by one of the listeners, sometimes voted for by our Patreon supporters. We go away, do a little bit of research, bring it back to the group in the form of a little report. And uh, the other two don't know what it's going to be on. And it's your turn, Matt, to report 
Yes. Have, yeah, I put my hands up. <laughs> so I had a question. Uh, Jess will, yes. I'm I'll question. go to Jess first here. Uh, have you ever referred to it as like a podcast report to other people and they've been very confused <laughs> by it? They're baffled. I don't think so. I had it once where I was talking to another comedian who had just started her own podcast and I was like, oh, yeah, I think this is at the old stupid old studios. Like, what are, you, what are you up to today? And I was like, I'm just working on a podcast report. And she was like, a podcast report? Like, what is thinking there was some sort of reporting you had to do <laughs> yeah. behind the to scenes the, when you had podcast a podcast? Board. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like going through our facts and our stats. And I was like, oh, no, no, it's just what we call it, where I write the topic, I write the story for the show. Do you know how our pod works? Because I could explain that, but it's, I won't do it well. And, um, and it was just a bit of a... And now I think about it all the time when I say, I've got to go write a report. Yeah, I've got to go do my little homework yeah, assignment. Yeah, I've got to go do my assignment. That's exactly what it is, their little homework assignments. Yeah. Oh, let's start calling them that. Okay. Yeah, go on, do your little homework assignment. I've got homework to do. Uh, this week it is Matt's turn to give us his homework. We'll grade him. Uh, we don't know what the topic is, and to get us onto the topic, he always starts with a question, which again sounds like we're doing some sort of yeah. Because uh, I don't, I had never heard of this topic, and I'm assuming you both haven't, but maybe you have. But yeah, because never. of that. Never assume with me. I've asked a sort of a tangent, tangential question. Okay. Better than a tan rough question. <laughs> Better than a tan trick question. <laughs> Sexy. Uh, my question is: What is the sixth of the seven Catholic sacraments? Oh, oh! I could have a go at this. Okay. Fantastic. Six of the seventh. What's the? Yeah, I think they're sort of ordered. Well, yeah, but I, I just looked this up. Oh, is it last rites? Well, that's the. I think Is that's that the, the seventh. One? Yeah. Well, I thought. Yeah. Oh, oh, second last rites. <laughs> what's what's before last rites? Because it's like uh, baptism, uh, first communion. There might be one in between there. Uh, confirmation. Reconciliation. Oh, reconciliation, I think, I think and then before. first communion, and then confirmation. So that's four, and then there's like. Uh, Some sort of midlife crisis. Something about marriage. I've got this list here that doesn't feel right. Something about marriage is correct. Yes. Matrimony. That's what I think. I don't know. I'm just looking at this list now and it's not even what I thought I'd copy so, down. So matrimony's number six. Whatever the website I just copied it off was baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, reconciliation, anointing of the sick, matrimony, and holy anointing orders. Anointing of the sick, right. But I guess holy orders, is that like being a priest or a nun? I don't know. Whatever. Oh, I guess so, doesn't yeah. matter. This is very tangential. But like, I did all right. You did great. <laughs> Great work. So I've done a few of them. The answer is uh, matrimony or marriage because this topic is chock-a-block with the stuff. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I figured you wouldn't know the name. Or will you? Does the name Ethel Liversey mean anything to you? Yes. Fuck. <laughs> yes, nah. she is my aunt. <gasps> no. <laughs> she is me. And I pull off my <laughs> face mask. And we go, I don't recognise <laughs> Ethel, so this doesn't mean anything. Um, no, so I, this is intriguing. Well, it was suggested by Daniel Roberts from Wagga Wagga, who said, if you want another badass woman, you'll love it. Unbelievable story. We love a badass woman. Yeah, I'd be inter- I'd, I'd find it interesting what he reads as an, a badass woman. Okay. But it'll be interesting to see if you agree with Daniel. By the end of the report, I want to see how much you agree with Daniel Roberts. Okay. Is she a badass woman or is she just a bad woman? Oh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm asking the question. That I mean, a, yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. Though. Uh, it was also suggested by Bron Liversey, <gasps> who's from Goulburn, where Ethel Liversey spent some time in the story briefly, oh. who wrote, 
Despite having an unusual surname, we're not related. Oh, that's so exciting. Just an absolute coincidence. That was exciting for a moment. Yeah. And now, I'm, I'm wondering boring. if maybe she is related and she doesn't even know it. Wow. All right. So we're going back to Sydney, 1945. Ethel Liversey was to marry Rex Beach. <laughs> that's fake. <laughs> Rex Beach. Rex Beach. That's well, great. Rex Beach is the real name. Uh, the press was dubbing it the Society Wedding of the Year. Oh. According to a book written by Nichols, I'm going to mention her uh, in a second, but this is from her book. She wrote, uh, the book's called The Amazing Mrs. Liversey. And this is the, it's really the primary and only um, source for this story. Okay. Uh, Nichols wrote, outside the Australia Hotel, a crowd had gathered, hoping to catch a glimpse of the wealthy bride everyone was talking about. Hundreds lined Castlereagh Street from 7pm on that warm early summer evening. At 7.15pm, hotel staff rolled out the hotel's famous red carpet. And by 7.30pm... They were the first ones to do a red <laughs> I like carpet. How, yeah. Well, no, their, their one was in particular famous. Yeah. That red carpet couldn't go out anywhere oh, without no. being God, <laughs> or just, that hassled. Just that wants sh- to go get a coffee, yeah. can't do oh, it. That shade, people go, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's got to wear a hat Ooh. and glasses. Yeah. That, is that the Australia Hotel red carpet? Oh my goodness. Oh, uh, by 7.30, the crowd had grown to enormous proportions. Watching guest after guest file past in their finery, ball gowns that hadn't been hadn't seen the light of day since before the war, new gowns for those who could afford them, dinner suits, and many returned servicemen in dress uniform. The numbers waiting outside continued to swell as invitations were checked and guests were admitted. A Daily Mirror reporter would later write that many openly gasped at the splendor of the feast before them and the variety of expensive liquors on offer. God, see, we just there just aren't things now that would just take our breath away like that. We were talking about that... Um, who was there? Uh, Hetty. Hetty Lamar. Hetty Lamar and how people were gasped when yeah. they saw her on how screen. How attractive she was. Yeah, right. yeah. Her Which beauty I, was like... It, it was all, They were awestruck. I kind of laughed at that, and then I saw a photo of her later, and I went... <gasps> Yeah, you did. She was really hot. <laughs> yeah. I think, That's weird that I didn't think there were people that and hot you anymore. Had, like, I've you seen gasped, Brad Pitt my whole life. You gasped and then like instant stiffy. Yeah. And that, yeah. You I had know, a laptop on my lap. It's broken. But it wasn't on my lap any longer. <laughs> flew into the it ceiling. Off. It's gone. It's in space now. You remember that sound? Boy, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> it was very embarrassing. <laughs> What about food? Can you imagine someone lift, lifting up the cloche and you going, oh, I reckon for me it would have to be like like a a, a human or something. Okay. Oh, it'd God. Like, it would be like a disgust sound? Like or? a head or something. Yeah. 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 What about like a really, really pretty dessert? Like a very intricately made okay. dessert. And they take it, and it's more of like a, ooh, yeah. rather than a, ooh. I'm not what? shocked by it. I know there's something edible under there, hopefully. What about an animal you previously thought was extinct? Right. Tasmanian tiger, roasted. <gasps> that would make me gasp. <laughs> we yeah. they killed the last one. Yeah, I'm pretty one. upset. So Again. We found it. And now we're going to eat it. <laughs> no one has tasted this animal in over 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, chefs carved and waiters flooded around with drinks. The orchestra tuned their instruments for the wedding march. But at four uh, at 8.45pm, Mr. Baden Johnson, the banquet manager. It's a fantastic title. Baden Johnson. Baden Johnson, banquet manager. Bank- That's good. Sorry, good the bank manager. It. No, no, no. <laughs> the banquet manager. It's like a small bank. <laughs> He <laughs> Johnson mounted the orchestra dais oh. and addressed the guests, saying, 
Ladies and gentlemen. Mumbo number five. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I've been asked to announce that the hostess will not be able to be with us. He stopped as gasps from the guests turned into speculative murmurings. I don't murmurings. think people are gasping quite as much <laughs> as, as we're being you told. You don't understand. No, 1945, 1945, big year for gasping. Wow. A lot of smokers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she would like you to carry on as if she were here. Enjoy yourselves, he said. Okay. And they did. <laughs> they went, okay. They partied right. on. Apparently, it was unlimited French champagne and they just... Just avoided eye contact with the groom. Yeah, he's just sitting in the corner. Cheers to you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks so much. You're, you guys are paying for this, I hear. Still paying? You're still, still paying? paying for this? Cheers. No, he wasn't there either. Uh, that's right. Just before the big event, it was called off. <gasps> Liverzy had been unmasked as a fraud. <gasps> she wasn't who she appeared to be. The truth was she Genuine. was Australia's greatest imposter. She had over 40 aliases had already been married many times over, and there was a long list of outstanding fraud charges in her name. This is the story of the amazing Mrs. Liversy. Oh, so it seems like her fiancé, Rex Beach, really dodged a bullet there. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> fair to say. Because, you know, he didn't marry her. That's right. Uh, and as you're going to hear, many others did not dodge that bullet. Wow. <laughs> A few years ago, this story was all but forgotten. That changed in 2013 when Liverzy's granddaughter, Luida Aitchinger, caught up with an old friend, author Frida Nichols. Aitchinger told Nichols she was struggling to piece together her grandmother's story, and before long, Nichols was obsessed with the story. And then a couple of years after that, a book titled The Amazing Mrs. Liverzy was released. That book has been my main source of information for this week's episode, and if anyone's interested in learning more, it's a fun read. I would recommend it. Uh, I both downloaded the ebook and the Audible book. Oh, good. And just read along I with read, the voice. Yeah, it was like when I was a kid yeah. again. And they did have a little ring yeah, to turn the page. Yeah, it says, we're the at the chime, turn the page. <laughs> I wish it did. That would oh, have been sick. so good. More things should do that, I reckon. Newspapers. <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah. So I know when I've got to the end. I just want to know when I turn the page. When? I've been st- stuck on this page for years. Oh. Uh, all right. So here is the story of the amazing Mrs. Liversy. The woman now known as Mrs. Liversy was actually born Florence Elizabeth es- <laughs> Florence Elizabeth Ethel Swindells in Manchester, Swindles. England, on the twenty fourth of September, eighteen ninety seven. Oh my God, this is nominative determinism. Isn't that like that's got to be one of the biggest nominative determinisms we've ever had? Yeah, right? and she's born in England. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Manchester. Uh, the Swindles were a well-off family, <laughs> or Swindells, that? maybe. Okay, yeah, that's how they'd say it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's Swindell. <laughs> there was, I, don't, I have not been able to figure out what this show was. I remember it from when I was a kid. I reckon it was a cartoon. And there was a guy. It's Weasel. Yes. It's what is that? It's just because you say it all oh, the time. Okay. The reason I know that. I also know it from Matt only. <laughs> if you know, Matt, explain the reference because I'd love someone to, to write in. So there's, there's like, I think it's the bad guy. And he's sort of one of those hapless bad guys in a cartoon, probably from the 90s. And he he would, um, his sidekick maybe would always go, right this way, Mr. Weasel. And he'd always say, it's Weasel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just gave you a moment of hope by saying you were like, oh yes, God, what is it? Like, no, mate, you just say that a lot. <laughs> it's Weasel. And it's definitely not the TV show I Am Weasel. Oh, that could be it. 
the show is called It's Weasel. <laughs> but he was a cool character. The 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 sad one on that was I R Baboon. Oh, that rings a bell. Do you remember that? Yeah. That rings no bells, which means I'm not going to turn the page. (laughs) Uh, The Swindells were a well-off family and held plenty of status and power in the town, with her father, Frank, having made his money in cotton, and Florence Elizabeth Ethel Swindells, I'm just going to call her Ethel from now on, Yeah. uh, she lived a very comfortable childhood. But with a world war around the corner, things were about to get tougher. According to Nichols, Ethel was three months short of 18 when she married Alexander Alec Carter against her father's wishes. She lied about her age at the registry office, left school and home, and moved to the town of Eccles to the north of Manchester, where her new husband was working as a stationer, stationer with his father. The Great War had started in August the previous year, and Ethel later recalled big parties in the street and how the boys from the Manchester Grammar School talked of nothing else except fighting for king and country with large numbers of boys and men signing up. They thought the war would last no more than a few months, and they were keen to be a part of it. But after a few months, the reality of war began filtering back, together with the lists of dead and wounded. Alec didn't immediately enlist, as he was classed unfit for active service, Uh, when he applied to join up with his father at the beginning of the war. But by 1916, men were falling like flies and the war office began calling up those who had been rejected at the start. (laughs) Actually, Actually. we've looked here. You know what? Asthma is not (laughs) such a big deal, I reckon. If you maybe just take it kind of easy. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you can come and join. Bring spare Fentolin. Yeah. (laughs) Becatide if you need. Yeah, whatever. Whatever you need. Whatever you need. Come but on. Play, yeah, get along, I reckon. Yeah, please. They, they just changed the requirement to... Sorry, just double-checking. Are you still alive? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Fantastic. Come on down. Start at nine. <laughs> uh, he was trained as a gunner to operate and load the Howitzer heavy field guns and was then sent to the Western Front in June 1916, leaving Ethel four months pregnant uh, with his extended family. Ethel received money, a pension from the Ministry of Pensions in the War Office, which could be accessed once a week at the post office via a ring paper. This is a thing I'd never heard of before, but Mm. I'm going to mention it a bit. These ring papers were issued to the wives and children of soldiers and sailors sent off on active duty. The names of the dependents were given to the war office by each serviceman. A numbered ring paper was then issued to the dependent, with wives receiving a bit over six pounds a week. Uh, All they had to do was go to the nominated post office, hand over the numbered ring paper that showed their name, and then this was checked off a ledger and they'd get the cash. Yeah, right. Six pounds doesn't sound like a lot, but I think it was a a decent amount of money. Because this story goes over 20 or 30 years. Yeah. But I I think at one point it was like, you add a couple of zeros to the end. So I think it's like maybe 600 bucks in today's money, something like that, I think. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bloody bad. Uh, but Ethel was bored and lonely. Stuck in Eccles, she kept herself amused by going to the shops and spending the money. Rather than hand the money to her mother-in-law to help with living expenses, Ethel spent it all on clothes, shoes and going to the movies, which led to some pretty heated disagreements with her mother-in-law. So Ethel moved back into her father's home. In early November 1916, a letter arrived from the war office. Alec was missing in action, presumed dead. Ethel's world crumbled. She took to her bed and refused to leave. Her mother tried to coax her to eat, but all Ethel could do was cry, falling into an exhausted sleep each night. 
Frank Alexander Carter was born on the 26th of November 1916, but Ethel couldn't even look at her newborn baby. Her parents decided to take baby Frank away and care for him in another part of the house, thinking their daughter would recover and care for her baby when she was better. Instead, Ethel woke one night to the sound of her baby crying, got up, packed a few things and quietly left her parents' home. She headed off in no particular direction and ended up jumping on a train and jumping off at another station before the inspector was able to come uh, come and ask her for a ticket. She woke up, the ticket inspector's come and she's like, whoop, my stop. Uh, the station she jumped off at, she bumped into a soldier named Billy Taylor. Ethel told him her name was Ethel Smith, just a random name she <laughs> came up with. Hi, I'm Ethel Smith. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's cool. So, so she, interesting, she stuck with her a name she goes by. Yeah. First name, but maybe she got halfway through. Her name's Ethel S- Smith. Smith. Uh, <laughs> she stayed with him for the next week, telling the landlady that they were married. Ethel was mourning the death of her husband and had fallen ill with a fever. So for the next week, Billy cared for her. After a week, Billy had to head back to the war. And this is back to Nichols' book. I have to go back, he began. I think uh, there's no way she had the uh, no. transcripts of some of these conversations. Yeah. but Ethel yeah, recorded it on her iPhone. <laughs> yeah, so that's right. Always <laughs> recording. Got it all. Uh, I have to go back, he began, stroking her arm. I'm absent without <laughs> leave. But I didn't want to leave you when you were so ill. Ethel looked at him expectantly. There were plans to make, things to organise. But before she could reply, there was a knock at the door. They looked at each other in surprise and then to the wooden door as it opened. When two policemen and the smirking manageress walked into the room, Ethel shrieked. You're both under arrest, the older officer stated. What for, Billy asked, sitting up. You're not married, are you? He He stated looking at them as Ethel tried to hide under the duvet. You're both under arrest for giving false information to a lodging housekeeper. That was the charge. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the lamest one ever. To a lodging housekeeper. <laughs> you can't lie to a landlady. <laughs> it's not right. You're nicked. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, but I, oh, you know what? Now that I think about it, that makes sense. I think that's a real dog act. Yeah. Just the ethics around yeah. that. The ethics of not telling a woman whose business it definitely <laughs> is to know that uh, that you're married when you're not. Yeah, this is what I was talking about. I said, is she a badass or is she just bad? She's terrible yeah. at this yeah. point. Wow. Yeah. That poor landlady. Do you think that she had to pay pay her some damages for yeah, that? Yeah, I think there Surely. might have been some emotional damages. God, imagine sure. the therapy she'd need. <laughs> And then she came and said her last name was Smith. <laughs> the most common name there is. Didn't even respect me with coming up with a new name. Told me they were married. I knew they oh were. She wasn't wearing a ring. I was listening to them through the wall and I thought, oh, everything's fine because they're married. But now it just keeps going round and round in my head. They were, they were sinning. I heard a sin. <laughs> Ethel didn't see Billy until the trial. She missed him and also thought he might be able to get a ring paper for her to collect money while she was uh, while he was back at the front. She's oh, incredible. Put a ring on it. Makes yeah, sense. That's that's oh, where it is came that where from. Where it came from? Is that where wedding rings come I from? I think yeah. First from it was the papers. ring papers, and then they went. You know what? Let's use that symbol of the ring paper. <laughs> oh. Into, and first they were like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, like. Like Blue Ring Doctopus, we could give everyone who gets yeah, married get, a Blue Ring Doctopus. Octopus? Oh, and people ca- started dying. How from do you the take stings? care of them? Yeah. <laughs> you got to have some sort of water. And then they eventually Source. settled yeah. on a on a finger ring. Um, oh, we all settled on a finger ring. So in the 
in the trial, it turned out, and this was news to Ethel, that Billy was married with children. Billy, you dog. You dog, you low dog. <laughs> but to be fair, all he was doing was looking after her while she was ill, right? And to be fair, she's also married with a child. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. So but- really he was just being a, a good person and I suppose probably, you know, from being married with children, he's a nurturer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think they were boning as well. No, 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 no. She's had a fever. between the lines. Dick fever. <laughs> I've got dick fever. I've got a fever for dick. <laughs> Is it another one of the poetic licenses the author took? <laughs> Made the characters real horny. Real horny. <laughs> that gets, the next section is deeply erotic. <laughs> Throbbing member. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the police come in, but they're stripper police. Yeah. Yeah. You're under arrest, Ethel. You've been a bad, bad girl. <laughs> Ethel. <laughs> You've got to think of the porn name for this movie by the end of the episode too, please, okay. Dave. Okay. Uh, what did you call the episode? The, the well, the book is called "The Amazing Miss Liversy. Okay, but you're gonna you're gonna have a few <laughs> names of hers to work off if if one hits you better than that. Something in swindles, surely something there. Swindles, something like mm. swingers or something. I don't mm. know. Not to not to step on your toes, Dave. Please, just yeah, someone for you to help brew. Yeah, mull brew it over. on, mull on. Uh, so this was news to Ethel, and she was pissed that she heard that. Billy was married with children. Yeah. It, How dare he? <laughs> She's also married. Although she does think her husband is dead in the war. Okay. She thinks. So that doesn't count. Well, they, yeah, they didn't no, find a body. No wedding that ever occurred quite recently um, matters because he's dead. Fuck it out. Fuck it out, mate. Widows back then. I tell you what, not like they widow today. No, they'll wait at least a couple of weeks. <laughs> Um, But I think, yeah, it sounds like she was She thought their relationship was going somewhere She thought it was going to ring papers And her getting six pounds a week (laughs) Yeah, that's what she's annoyed So what, now would she be getting getting 12 pounds? Well, maybe She's annoyed that someone's already claimed that six That's what she's annoyed Yeah, yeah, that's right She's like, I'll split it, I'll split it, I'll go three pounds She was in the, his wife was in the courtroom And she was, she was um, obviously, oh, pretty hurt as well by all of it. Dog. Um, so Heather was so pissed that in the trial she turned on Billy uh, when it was her turn to tell her side of the story to the magistrate, telling him that Billy had hoodwinked her. She was convincing as she was let free while for his crime of lying to an innkeeper, no. Billy was sentenced to six months in jail. <laughs> Fuck, imagine if he was sentenced to death or something, though. <laughs> but still, this is during a time where they're so desperate for yeah, soldiers. They're like, actually, this is, this. honestly, I'd rather let Hitler win than you go unpunished. <laughs> I, think that, I think that was kind of the vibe. The judge is like, you're not worthy of being out there as cannon fodder. Yeah. He's like, oh, thank God. Yeah, honestly, six months in prison or go to war. Bit of a chance to work on yourself. <laughs> I'd be going to prison. Do some reading. Don't have to do any cooking. Or like, I don't have to vacuum. Don't have to do the groceries. <laughs> don't have to shoot at You a don't stranger. have to do that at war either. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, all those things you described are benefits either way. Yeah, but then you got there's a lot of like sleeping outside and trench foot and stuff. I don't want to do that. Oh yeah, you're thinking World War One as well, probably, Mm. because that's the relevant one to this story. Surely they were still getting dysentery in World War Two, weren't they? Yeah, shitting themselves. That's true. I don't want to shit myself. 
If I have the choice yeah. of shit yourself or not shit yourself. Shit yourself or, or get shivved yourself. <laughs> I take the risk of getting shivved, yeah. to be honest. I'm I'm pretty big. I reckon in a women's prison. Yeah, you'd kick the shit out of quite a lot of people. <laughs> I think in any prison. I don't prison. think they'd fuck with me. Oh, I think you'd be the one shivving. Yeah. Yeah, I'd do some shivving. Get ready. Get ready. What is it? Get busy shivin'. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> get ready. Get ready shivin'. Fuck! Get ready. What do they say? What's the thing? Uh, get uh, get to shivin' so or get, uh, get to, to shivin'. Nope, that's not it. But someone must have... That must be a line someone's used before. Get busy shivin' or get, get busy, busy dying. dying. That's good That's good stuff. I'll get that tattooed. It should be get... <laughs> With I a think, shiv, homemade tattoo. Yeah. Get busy shivin' or get busy dying. And then in smaller text... By Shiv. <laughs> shiv or be Shiv. Yes. Oh, that's good. That's that's more succinct. And that's a picture of uh, Shiv from that show where there's a character called Shiv. Yeah. This is just my cousin, Siobhan, who we, who we call Shiv. That show where the, the main guy always says, fuck off. Succession. Succession, thank Haven't you. Haven't even seen it. <laughs> Again, just because of his impression. Yeah, you're so good at it. God, you're good, Matt. It's so good, even though you don't know the other side of it. <laughs> like, you hear him saying it, you're like, huh, that doesn't even sound like the same words. Uh, anyway, so quickly putting it behind her, this whole ordeal. Just let, let Billy go to jail for lying. Well, she, I think she helped put him there by saying, he did it, he got me, he got, he got me hoodwinked. I think she, was a word she used. Um... So then Ethel headed to the resort town of Blackpool, which she had fond childhood memories in. Uh, around two weeks after leaving court, she met Corporal Raymond Ward uh, while, on, while he was on rest and recreation leave from the war. The two married the following day, just before he returned to the battlefield. Okay, she's pretty keen to marry. She must be hot. Or just like really charismatic. Or there just weren't many women options yeah. Or, like, you know tomorrow you're going to war, probably going to die. Yeah, so why would you get married? Well, it's one way to guarantee a night with someone else. I can't. <laughs> Which is the reason I got married. <laughs> yeah. Any day now. Is that like you don't want to be a virgin in heaven or something? Oh, imagine. Imagine going to heaven. I to go to, like... The virgin bar. You'd be sitting with Mary on the, uh, at the <laughs> breakfast buffet. Mary's like, hey, Because that's actually how they that's sort you. Yeah? Yeah. By how many fucks. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty lame. Dave will be at the other end of you and me. <laughs> I'm on 10,000. No, 10 million. <laughs> it's too many fucks. It's too, too many. I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you love the pod so much. It's a break from all that. <laughs> this is the only time I'm not rooting. getting busy. Getting busy. Uh, so, so got married again. Now she's sort of married twice at the same time. Uh, now to Raymond Ray Ward. According to Nichols, she decided it was time to write to her father. She just she'd run away. Yeah. Left her baby there. Obviously, was going through some. Yeah. A lot of stuff. She's like, oh, I better let him know uh, I'm safe. But also to ask uh, how her son's going. Um, <laughs> she had yet to mention baby Frank to her new husband, but Ray seemed so kind. She was sure he would welcome Frank into their family. No point telling him until he returned and she'd deal with it then. And so she just had baby Frank, yeah. right? Yeah, there'd be some signs probably. Is that what you mean? No. <laughs> 
if Ray was paying <laughs> he attention. He stood out the umbilical cord. Yeah. <laughs> Ray's like, what's about? I'm a virgin. Never seen that before. But honestly, never seen anything before. <laughs> so I'm assuming that's how it's supposed to look. And no further questions. No, I'm just thinking. But I don't want to guess at something in case I'm right and you had it as a reveal or something. That's all. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'd love. Well, go on, have a guess. I'm just wondering if she will like. If he goes off to war for a while and comes back and she's like, here's our child. Oh, no. That d- okay, good. <laughs> she keeps moving forward. She doesn't, doesn't <laughs> she do doesn't a lot of looking back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Ray offered his parents' place to live, but she declined, preferring to stay at a lodging house run by landlady Mrs. Skerritt. Do not lie to Skerritt, though. <laughs> yeah, whatever you do. Hope you've learned a lesson. Um, so, she, yeah, she, was, she didn't really want to... Bunker in with the with her new husband's family. It's really non-committal, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, quick to marry, but preferred. It. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I won't be spending any time. That's probably to know the family. because she'd have to turn. Would you think she'd have to turn up with child, or is she still happy with the child? No, that she hasn't. She oh, hasn't she gone should, to collect the child. She should have gone then. Yeah, especially because I mean, it's it would be free, basically, uh, free rent yeah. or whatever. Whereas she's gone and now she's having to pay rent, but she does have a ring paper. From, yeah. Yes, and I suppose from husband Ray. the last in-laws she fought with a lot. Yeah, so maybe she's like, um, I don't want to repeat that. Uh, so having married another soldier, she once again had a ring paper she could collect a wage from, according to Nichols. She filled her days going to the shops, the movies, and the theatre. On tour in the town at, the, at that time was popular actress who shared her new name, Ethel Ward. Curious, Ethel took in her show at the Majest- Majestic Theatre and watched the elegantly dressed Miss Ward on stage playing the lead role in a romantic drama. Miss Ward's hair was piled high with lace covering her shoulders and long neck as she played the wronged woman with style and grace. Ethel felt that she was uh, that it was her up on stage. She felt like she's, I'm here watching me. Oh, Ethel. <laughs> Uh, it was her drama and she was uh, watching it all unfold. An innocent woman scorned by a cruel man, in her case, Billy. I don't feel like Ethel was all that scorned at all. I don't, was she that innocent? I they were just hooking up at the station. Yeah, she. I, I believe she also didn't tell him about her yeah. child and yeah. that her, she had a husband. Who, but she's like, you fuck. Yeah, yeah. Was, you absolute fuck. Sounds like they were just hanging out. Yeah. Both... She Probably was trying a, to forget their troubles. She was a bit sick and he was making her feel better. Yeah, it is, it is interesting. She does. She holds a bit of a grudge there and um, she does normally feel like... even She doesn't see what she's done as mm. uh, wronging anyone, but she does feel it in the other direction a right. bit. She's a badass. <laughs> uh, Ethel followed her namesake's career closely, reading magazine and newspaper articles about her. Back to Nichols. Then Ethel started going out at night, pretending to be the young actress, dyeing her hair chestnut and wearing it in the same style as Miss Ward. She could often be found in the company of soldiers and sailors on leave, despite her husband still being at the front. Ethel told the men various stories about herself. She was sometimes an actress, sometimes an artist, but most often her story was that her husband had been killed at the front and that she was there to forget. At that time, Blackpool was full of people trying to forget there was a war going on. After hearing of her husband's death, one soldier coincidentally called Smith, felt sorry enough for Ethel that before returning to battle, he organised a ring paper for her, stating on it that she was his wife. So she scored another, another ring paper. And a bunch of STDs. Yeah. So she, 
But she's still, I mean, can you blame her? She's furious. B- Billy cheated on her, basically. Yeah. Billy, the dog, that dog scum. Yeah. So How dare he hurt her like that? And she sees that as the, the big heartbreak of her life, not the fact that the first husband died. Yes. Husband she <laughs> married and I actually loved. I actually liked. Sandra, yeah. But the guy that looked after her while she was sick didn't tell her about his husband. The dog. I his can't wife. believe you're bringing that dog up again. <laughs> Billy, you My dog. blood is boiling. I've got to go fuck my way through Blackpool. <laughs> Blackpool? Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. And look, that I'm not, you know... <laughs> I'm a sex positive person. Yeah, I'm just you, saying, you Ethel. Do you. Billy, d- give not, Billy a break. Give maybe. Billy a break, and maybe give your pussy a break. <laughs> 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 you're no better than him because you're lying to a bunch of men. Um, hey, I reckon, but it's not technically a lie. A lot, of, a lot of, a lot of it is. My husband died at the front. Yeah, that's I'm right. Lone- that's more true. a mission than lie. I didn't tell I'm you about here my to forget what husband. Billy did. <laughs> yeah. oh, and that I have a husband. <laughs> and a kind child. of two husbands. <laughs> yeah. Now I guess three, three. Now that this guy's two real pity husbands on and her. one. So now one she's making. Now she's at least getting two ring papers. That's right. Yep. Uh, Ethel didn't mention a Smith, this one who forged the ring papers. She didn't mention to him that she was already married. No. But now she had these two sets of ring slips and therefore two lots of wages to draw on. It was the perfect crime. The only way she could stuff it up is go to the post office to collect the money as Mrs. Ward, where they know her as Mrs. Smith or vice versa. Great, but no one would ever do that. No, and I'm certainly not foreshadowing anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you'd even mention that. <laughs> I mean, that- it seems like such an easy thing to not m- muddle up. Yeah, it's, it's not a Chekhov's uh, foreshadowing sort of scenario. <laughs> Chekhov's ring paper. It's not Chekhov's <laughs> ring paper, no. Uh, Ray would send Ethel letters from the front. And her replies were filled with love and stories about how wonderful life was in Blackpool. But they did omit the fact that she was entertaining other men. Mm. Ethel always felt better going shopping and it helped fuel her fantasy life. And with two ring papers to draw on, she could spend a bit more on things she wanted. Rather than move to finer lodgings, her extra money was spent on more clothes and visits to the beautician and hairdresser. After all, she needed to look like the star she was. Right, she needs to extend her neck to be like yeah, that. That's right. yeah, oh, that, that really neck. stood out to me that line as well. And her long Ooh, neck. Yeah. Long neck. She was a freak. She had star quality. <laughs> that giraffe. <laughs> I've never seen a giraffe act so well. Uh, but it was, she could reach all the tallest branches. <laughs> <laughs> there a, she's in a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a giraffe named Ethel. Yeah, she's like, oh, oh, that's me in that She's band. losing her mind. <laughs> uh, but it was never enough. No matter what she bought, it was never enough. And soon she started telling her fantastic stories to the shop owners. The owner of one of her favourite shops, Mrs. Hall, happily listened to her stories. Ethel's stories always had a little bit of truth about them. On top of the fantastical stuff, she told Mrs. Hall how she was a war widow who had tragically lost her first husband, which was obviously true or she believed to be true, but had again found happiness with her second. Uh, Ethel spent up big, and Mrs. Hall didn't hesitate to offer her a line of credit. <laughs> Ethel loved that shop and purchased numerous outfits, hats, bags, shoes, and even a bright red feather boa, just like the Hollywood actresses wore. But after racking up an account close to 20 pounds, which is over two grand in today's money, Ethel stopped going to the shop, and Mrs. Hall began to wonder if the fabulous Mrs. Ward was ever going to settle her account. 
Then one Saturday evening, Mrs. Hall spotted Ethel at a dance hall on a date with a sailor wearing the feather boa she still hadn't paid for. Ethel smiled at Mrs. Hall. Mrs. Hall did not smile back. According to Nichols, the following Monday morning, Ethel woke late. The weekend had been a whirlwind of fun. She had met a charming sailor and they had laughed and danced the entire weekend. He had left with promises of seeing her again when he was next on leave. Laying in bed, wondering what she would do that day. She's even... This is a good thing about Nichols got in her head. Yeah, it's amazing how Nichols has got into every facet. Uh, (laughs) She's just built a poetic license, That's beautiful. No, I'm loving it. Don't misread me. I'm. I love this. I love it too. <laughs> it made. It definitely made it a more fun read. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, it's all. It's based. painting a beautiful picture. Yeah. I can. I can see it all in my head. So she's laying in bed, wondering what to do for the day. When she heard the post arrive, she made her way downstairs to see what was in the mail. It was usually only bills, which she would ignore for as long as as she could. But today, a letter sat on the doormat, bearing um, her father's familiar handwriting. Oh, I thought it was going to be a letter from Mrs. Hall, and she opened up as like a cloche with a head on a plate. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> Something like that. That a feather bow was <laughs> uh, While waiting for the water to boil, she, star- uh, she stared at the letter. Her father would be upset with her, but he would forgive her. He always had. She could explain. Ethel suddenly snatched the letter, turned it over, took a deep breath, and then slowly, carefully opened it. What is a deep breath if not a gasp? <laughs> She's just doing it all the time. <laughs> About to open this letter. <gasps> uh, she couldn't believe what she was reading. Her father was concerned about her. That's not the bit she couldn't believe. Baby Frank was now living with her in-laws. Uh, but the one sentence that caused her the most consternation was, Alec is alive. He had been wounded. I told you thought he was dead. Oh, my goodness. He foreshadowed it like eight times, Dave. <laughs> Keep up. <laughs> fucking hell. Oh, well done, Dave. Aren't you clever, uh, you fucking idiot? My little grey cells have been working pretty hard <laughs> over here. Dave's picking up uh, what you're putting down. Thank you, Matt. And the times you winked at me. <laughs> he's dead. Wink. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he's trying to tell me something. <laughs> Can't figure out what it is. So Alec is alive. Alec's alive. alive. Oh, oh, which means the second marriage is now called into question. Oh. But Billy, you dog. <laughs> Billy's still a scumbag. <laughs> no doubt about that. Fuck you, Billy. Few things are question now, dog. but not that Billy is a low, oh, low dog. No, no, that is in concrete. <laughs> uh, so he'd been wounded, but was in hospital, wanting to know where Ethel was. Her father insisted she could come home immediately, and everything would be fine. So many emotions raced through her: happiness, shame, anger, fear. While she was processing this, there was a knock at the door. And it was the cops. They were there to arrest her for obtaining goods under false pretenses from Mrs. Hall. Oh, Oh my God, Ethel. According to Nichols, Mrs. Hall stood in court and told the story Ethel had given her, finishing her evidence by recounting the shameless behaviour she had witnessed at the Blackpool Ballroom. Ethel's landlady, Mrs. Skerritt, Geez, the landladies back then would dog you as well. Fuck, oh, no. So, yeah. So now she- they'll just dog you and their bloody rent prices. <laughs> <Yeah>. Am I right? <laughs> so, so, firstly, Mrs. Hall's like, this This is the sob story she gave me. She was, her husband was at war. But then I saw her with some sailor at this ballroom wearing the stuff that she hadn't paid for. So, she's saying that all in court. And then Ethel's land. She's slut shaming her. 
Is that what you, is that what you thought? Yeah. yeah. That's what it feels like. That does sound like well, that. Well, well, otherwise she's just saying I saw her out wearing clothes that she bought from my shop. Like, that's not the big deal. It's that she's with the sailor. It well, does. No, I, I think what she's saying is her story's bullshit. So she told her this story that meant that she gave her this line of credit and she's like, no, she's a liar and she hasn't paid me. So her husband's away. Ethel will play. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw her out. But you can't go out without your husband. If your husband's away, you can't go out. Oh, that's yeah. No, that's true. I mean, she's yeah. slut shaming. She was. She was saying I was. I guess she was saying back then, um, extramarital affairs weren't as cool as they are now. Yeah, now, now it's cool. If you see someone cheating on their husband, you're like, yes. Now yes, I'm like, hey, get it. <laughs> you say something like that. Yeah, get it, girl. <laughs> yeah. And I say like, I don't know the ins and outs of their marriage. Yeah. Who am I to define what their marriage is? Who knows what Ray is? Ray's probably like goat. Maybe he's in on it. Maybe that Have fun is with it. sexy to him. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's Ray dressed up as a sailor. That's fun. Yeah. Role playing. you got to keep it fresh. Yeah, maybe they often just put all their ring papers in a bowl and whoever they pick out. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> who Whatever. am I to yuck their yum? Yeah. Well, tell you what, I'll tell you who, Mrs. Hall. Yeah, oh, she should have said... She hoodwinked me. <laughs> yeah, in the movie, they'd say that, and Ethel would be like, "That's my fucking line." <laughs> now, fucking do you, Mrs. Hall. Now I've got two enemies: Billy and Mrs. Hall. <laughs> and now Ethel's landlady, Mrs. Skerritt. Oh, Skerritt. Who stood up and happily told all about Ethel's vast array of beautiful new clothing and costume jewelry, and most damningly, men staying at her establishment in the company of Mrs. Ward, uh. who's now Ethel. Yeah. Uh, her arrest had made the evening papers, and everyone in the crowded courtroom seemed to be staring at her, which makes sense. Well, I mean, yeah, she's, that's the reason they're there. <laughs> yeah. She's on it's the crazy. That- a bit rude. They're <laughs> all staring at me. Can I help you? Is there something <laughs> on my face? Take a picture, it'll last longer. That's where that phrase yeah. comes from. Why does the jury keep looking at me like they're judging me somehow? <laughs> and this judge? What are you doing? Stop staring at me! <laughs> so Nichols goes on uh, saying... Her world was closing in. She felt so let down by Mrs. Hall, Mrs. Skerritt. Yeah, by and, women. And even her own father, which I'm not sure how she <laughs> felt. How's that his I fault? I don't know. I, I can understand her being dobbed in by Miss Skerritt. That would maybe, that yeah, would feel shit. Yeah, that's frustrating. Mrs. Mrs. Hall, Hall, you're like, well, I did steal from you, but still. Bit of a dog act. But then her dad. I'm mad at you, dad. Yeah. For writing me a letter telling me my first husband's alive. And saying, and please come home. Come we home love you. Because you, you've abandoned your child. <laughs> It'll all, and what did he say? It'll all be okay. It'll yeah. all be fine. Fuck you, Dad. He's Like, through all of it, he's so supportive. You'll see that as the story goes on. I feel like she's the kind of person that just blames everyone but herself. Mm. Wow, Dave. Dave. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, if I could speak for both of us. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm pretty perceptive, as you saw before, with the... uh, I knew that the husband was alive. I knew it. So many times he said presumed death. So many times. No, I I only noticed once. But that's all I needed. I only needed one clue. Mm. I don't need ten like Jess over here. You're pandering to her. First one you do, I'm like, lock that away for We're back at the zoo. Here we go. Uh, uh, The... The case wasn't looking good for Ethel until the judge announced that her father-in-law was going to pay back the money. What? So this is Ray Ray Ward, her husband. Yeah. His dad Said heard I'll about the story it. and he's like, this is bringing shame to our family. It sounds like he's doing a real good thing, but... 
as soon as he talks to her, he's like, you've brought shame to our family. Yeah, get the fuck you out. Come with me. I'm paying your money. You'll come with me sort of thing. Wow. I'm going to keep you on the straight and narrow. Um, so, but at first she was confused thinking, wait, was that Alec Carter's dad? Her, like her, her, that's who, when she thought her husband, she thought her, her first, first husband. husband. But no, it's her second husband. Um, you know, oh my you know, god! You know when she forgot, she had. Do you know whose dad is not? Billy. Fucking Billy. Yeah. Where's Billy? he? Yeah, Billy's. Where's Billy's dad? Billy's dad. Not only is me. Billy a dog. <laughs> hey, apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Where's Mister Billy? Hmm? Yeah. Hey, where's Billy Senior? I bet he's dog. cheating on Billy's mum. Yeah, for sure. Learned behaviour. Come on, dogs. Fucking dogs. <laughs> the where, Billies. Probably at the pound where he belongs. That <laughs> sick dog. <laughs> um. <laughs> so Ray's father. Bailed her out, and like I said, um, he's like, "All right, you're coming with me now." Mm. Though the magistrate then sentenced her to a two-year good behaviour bond when maybe she would have otherwise served time. Okay, wow. Um, Just don't lie to landladies. Exactly. Shit, you don't lie to Mrs. Skerritt. So, so because Mr. Ward was saying you've brought our family's name into disrepute, you're coming to live with us now until Ray's back. Ethel had other ideas. Uh, she said, all right, before I come over, I've just got to pick up some stuff from my apartment. So they went to her apartment and uh, she shoved things into her bag and then fled. Yeah. Uh, he came into the room. She sort of hoodwinked him. Yeah. Hey. Oh. Maybe she learned that from Billy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she she went down to the station holding a, a you know, stuffed bag. And she bumped into a man named Gets Fred Lee. <laughs> are you kidding me? Bumped, what's his name? Fred Lee. Fred Lee. Train stations are just a place to yeah. hook up. Yeah. Real horny in the I 40s. I definitely, every time I, I'm at a, at a train station, I'm teens. like, bunch of people here. I want to fuck. <laughs> yeah. I love when a stranger talks to me at a yeah. train station. Yeah, yeah. And you they think? all smell good. Yeah, go, oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, it was at the old, there was an old free newspaper that had... MX Bumped into you section Yeah Hey just in case Hey I bumped into a guy With a red beard Oh my Every time I was reading it I'm like oh yep Here we go Here we go again I remember being quite disappointed I was never in that Nobody was like A girl in the Glen Waverley line You took my breath away (gasps) Never I gasped (gasps) (laughs) So she bumps into this guy Fred Lee Lee was a con artist himself And introduced himself (laughs) Saying he was a fan Of Ethel's work uh, he was an odd kind of fellow. So it got a little bit of coverage in the newspaper. And he's like, I, I like what you did there. You sort of, you hoodwinked him. Amazing. According to Nichols, there must have been something about Fred Lee. Because despite him being a bit odd, Ethel stayed with him for a few months and worked at an illegal gambling establishment he was running. <laughs> a place called the Casino on Ple- Pleasure Beach. Pleasure Beach. Yeah. And it was illegal, so they obviously had to name it something that doesn't point to what it is. Hiding in plain sight. <laughs> casino. Well, obviously, that's not a well, casino. It's going to be a coffee shop or something, yeah. I assume. Uh, it was straight out of a movie, though perhaps not as glamorous as she would have liked. Ethel's main job was to assess the punters, size them up, check out how much cash they had on them, and if she thought of them a light touch, invite them in for a game of cards. What started off as a convenient place to stay and earn money quickly turned into an opportunity for her to learn how to cheat at cards and fleece servicemen out of their pay. So she learns how to cheat at cards here. Foreshadowing. Um, she was playing the... Dave? Yeah, Dave. Dave. That was for Jess. That wasn't for you. Yeah, no. Card shark. I'm all over it. <laughs> I've got that written down in my little pocketbook over here. I need a few more hints. <laughs> 
She was playing the role of a femme fatale and reveling in it. As well as the money she earned with Fred Lee, she was still drawing on two ring papers as Mrs. Ward and Mrs. Smith. She enjoyed dressing up, disguising herself, wearing wigs and heavy makeup. She did, however, avoid distinctive clothing that stood out, worried that maybe Mrs. Hall or someone else would recognise her. No more red feather boas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a bit too bold, I think. Uh, She was managing just fine until she turned up at the post office where she was known as Mrs. Ward and presented the puzzled postmistress with the ring papers for a Mrs. Smith. Hang on a second. (laughs) I think Matt might have said something to that effect earlier (gasps) on. He did. (laughs) Realising her mistake, she grabbed the ring paper back and left the post office as quickly as she could. Oh, I've I've forgotten who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Good day. Uh, She had stuffed up and that sweet gravy train... Was coming to a halt. Oh no! <laughs> oh my god! Fred Lee told her to chuck out the Smith ring paper as she didn't have a marriage certificate to back it up, and then she went to London to lay low. Staying with Fred Lee's mate Ernie Stevens, she was now going by the name Ethel Stevens. Oh my god! Apart from when she was picking up her remaining ring paper payment, then she was obviously Mrs. Ward. Uh, whilst in London, Ethel went shopping and found a great hat she really wanted but couldn't <laughs> afford. She started spinning a tale to the shopkeeper, but accidentally switched her name from Mrs. Stevens to Mrs. Ward mid-story. Realising her mistake, she left the shop, but before long, just around the corner, a man's voice called out to her, Mrs. Stevens? <laughs> she didn't want to turn. She's like, is it, what's going on here? And then he goes... Or is it Mrs. Ward? She turned to see a policeman. The shopkeeper had knocked. What? Like, what the... Who the fuck are these shopkeeps <laughs> who just... They just... Oh, my God. The scandal. I can... I understand the Mrs. Ward... Uh, the Mrs... Whatever her name was, who she owed two totally. grand to. Mrs. Yeah. But the person who's like, oh, I was about to try and scam the government out of... Few hundred pounds. Yeah. Or the, yeah. you're a hat. You sell hats. You're a hat. You're a hat. So let's say you're a hat. <laughs> <laughs> you're a hat. And you no, hear- no, that's right. Sorry. Yeah, this was the hat one. So yeah, you, yes. You, you, all you've you're heard. A hat. You're a hat. You're on the shelf. You think, oh, this lady's going to take me away. I might live on her head. But then you hear she's got two names and you think, I'm going to call the police. Yeah, that's right. It what didn't work. Fuck? That's the thing. It didn't work. But also, like... What's the crime? What's the crime? The crime is... Having two names? Yeah, a telling a story. What if she just Poorly got married and she, and she wasn't used to her new married name yet? That's true. Why are you jumping straight to fraud? But unfortunately, she was busted and the, the cop what? searched her and found the ring papers of both Mrs. Ward... And the fraudulent Mrs. Smith one too, which she hadn't thrown out despite Fred Lee's suggestion. What? Oh, Fred so if she didn't have that paper on her, yeah. it would have been like it just gave apparently was enough of a reason at the time to for the policeman to search her, and that got her in trouble. Um, so she was going back to court, uh, oh and my in God, court. Ethel. Various post office workers who had paid out money to Ethel using the different aliases testified, as did a policeman who said Ethel offered sex in exchange for destroying evidence. Ethel. Apparently fraudulent. uh, Apparently fraudulent use of ring papers was on the rise and the magistrate wanted to make an example of her 
and he sentenced her to six months hard labour at the infamous Strangeways Prison. Do you have you heard of Strangeways? Uh Strangeways Here We Come is the name of an album by the Smiths. The Smiths, yeah, that's right. So yeah, it's, apparently it's often referenced in British pop culture. There's also a song by Deep Purple and a poem by John Cooper Clark. Anyway, so she's she's in the big house for the first time. Wow. According to Nichols, three hundred women were housed in four wings at Strangeways, the notorious home of murderers and Irish political prisoners. Ethel was in there for swindling a few extra dollars, not killing anyone. To her, it all seemed very unjust. Yeah, well, get ready, get ready, shivin, <laughs> as they say. As they say, get ready, shivin. But she's so. Dave said before, she's like blaming everybody but herself, and now she's like, it's not fair that I'm in here. <laughs> yeah. That person murdered someone. All I did was a lot of fraud. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. So, uh, Strangeways in Manchester was cramped, dark, and damp, and her stint there was the lowest point of her life. The other female prisoners were horrible, the wardens cruel, and the work monotonous and hard. <laughs> I like complaining about the work in oh, prison. The work. Oh. The hard labour oh. I've been sentenced to is hard. It's monotonous. I can't get a promotion. <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly overlooked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm certainly not being rehabilitated. No. If anything, this is just a bloody criminal factory. This is habilitating me. (laughs) Uh, Six months later, she was out again and working with Lee once more. According to Nichols, Fred would introduce her to poor blokes straight off the Western Front. She'd charm them and tell them she wanted to marry them, then ask for money for wedding clothes and an engagement ring before finally disappearing leaving the men wondering what had happened. Fred would look out for her and they'd split the money. It was pretty brutal. That's great. Yeah. So they're pretty always, badass. They're pretty always badass. on a date and there's just a guy watching them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. He's with me. That's no, all good. He's like, all right there. He's like all a, right there, love. Don't worry about me. I'm a con man. <laughs> Have you asked him for the money yet? Just your friendly local con man. <laughs> Well, pick a car, <laughs> sir. <laughs> At the end of the war in 1918, she finally decided to head home to face the music. Uh, Ethel told them she'd been working with the foreign office as an undercover spy. That's what she's telling her parents. God, that's good. Journeying into France and Belgium incognito as a commercial traveller. Her story was padded out with details about different places she had heard about from the return servicemen she'd fleeced in London. Street names, famous places, vivid descriptions of war-torn lands. <laughs> so she's just sort of like taking in all the stuff as she's... She's a sponge. So, yeah. What's yeah. your favourite street in Belgium? Great. Mine's a scientist. <laughs> avenue. Yeah, the scientist <laughs> avenue. A lot of great architecture on that, that avenue. Her dad was stoked to see her again and proud of her stories, while her mother was having none of it. <laughs> she couldn't understand why her daughter hadn't come back sooner to see her first husband return from war and her son. She's like, you, you thought he was dead and he came back to life yeah. and you haven't even... Come back. You haven't come back to... And then there's her husband like, hang on, why are you referring to me as your first husband? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's also spent no time with her kid. Yes. Like, got annoyed that... It- uh, a baby was crying and just left. <laughs> Never came back. Yeah, and seemingly not really even that curious about him. Yeah. Uh, it just, that sucks. Ethel told her mother that she would go visit Alec right away. Her dad asked if she needed money. She said she did. She took some cash from her dad and left. 
saying, oh, I'll go visit Alec, I'll be right back. But instead of heading to Alex, she went back to London. She quickly spent her dad's money on fancy clothes. Within days, she met and married returning soldier Al Spurgis. What? And uh, they partied together, celebrating the end of the war. But when her new husband's finances ran out, she left. Nichols continues. So that was it. That was a quick marriage, that one. Wow. Ethel was on her first outing in another new outfit to celebrate the last of her father's money when she met Captain William Thornton. Oh, sorry, that's only the start. Captain William Thornton Norman Giblet. <laughs> <laughs> Giblet is such a fucking great name. Giblet. Oh, Captain, my God. Captain Giblet. Captain Giblet. That's so good. Uh, he, uh, he was Billy Giblet. Billy Giblet. Oh, my God. Billy Giblet? That's a rock star. That's very good. Uh, Billy Giblet was waiting to be sent back home to Australia. Tall, dark, and handsome, Billy Giblet, or Norman Giblet, as he went around, but Whatever. missed opportunity to me. Uh, Giblet was a ticket away from the mess in England. Norm had been one of the first to sign up when war was declared. He was in the first landing at Gallipoli and was quickly promoted to second lieutenant, or lieutenant, before evacuating with the rest of the troops and being sent to the Western Front. There he was prom- promoted to lieutenant and then captain, and was awarded the Military Cross and Bar for Gallantry in September 1917 at the Battle of Polygon Wood. He had everything Ethel was after. Security, respectability, good looks. He was even a proper war hero. All of that and the prospect of starting a new life in a new country. Her name was Daphne Pollard, she told him with a laugh when they first met. (laughs) She laughed! (laughs) Daphne Pollard. Yeah, she couldn't couldn't give it a... Uh, She's like, that's such a ridiculous name. And then he said, I'm Captain Giblet. She went, that's perfect. Yeah, Yeah. great. Okay, we're both taking the piss here. She named herself after an Australian silent movie star, uh, saying Pollard was her married name, though. You know, but her married name... To the guy who died in the war. Yeah. Oh, so she's free to marry him. Yes. Uh, she told him her husband died in the war and her parents was, uh, were dead as well. She told him she was a spy in the war, just as she told her parents. What's confusing to me as well is that her dad was like, okay, so you're, you're going to go see Alec. That's great. Do you need money? And I'm thinking like, do you need taxi money? Yeah. You yeah. know, do you need like a few bucks? But he obviously gave her a, a chunk of cash. Yeah, she's like, I need $15,000 right yeah. now. <laughs> okay, no worries. Sure thing, sweetie. Obviously, I need taxi money there and back. Just good to, <laughs> good to have you back. That is another thing that maybe is a bit confusing because, you know, you, it's not like she's desperate and on the run because she has no other options. Yeah. She has a comfortable living at home. Yeah. Her dad is willing to give her the world yeah. pretty much. He's doing well in business. Uh, with his cotton stuff going on. No, and of course you can sort of look at it and go, well, there's obviously things going on for her psychologically and and all that. Of course, you can be sympathetic to that. But she is callous. Yes. Like, postnatal depression doesn't make you do this. No, I wouldn't this have thought so. This is horrendous. <laughs> yeah. And, and to still somehow be like, Billy, you dog. <laughs> 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 Just make up a new name, meet this new guy. Oh, he's Australian. Good. I need a fresh start. Yeah. There's nothing for me here other than my child, first husband, and a loving family. Second husband. Second and third husband. husband. Third this husband. is her fourth now because she, the guy, she just spent all his money and left within oh, yeah. days. That's all we talk about him. 
There's so much in here that Al Spurgis is not mentioned again. Sorry, Al. And an incredible name. We didn't give him the no, respect Spurgis he deserves. That's right. I mean, it's amongst many great names in this story. Incredible. But we're up to Captain Giblets. Giblets. I know. We're on an upward trajectory for sure. <laughs> you call your balls your giblets at all? <laughs> well, only in private. <laughs> yeah, how do you know about that? Get a load of these giblets. You know, I say stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To the mirror. Improv to the yeah. mirror. <laughs> Four. And then I gasp. <gasps> to the doctor. <laughs> Get a lot of these giblets. Honestly. And they're like, I just needed your blood pressure. Yeah. You do not need to take your pants off. You better have a feel of that. Is that, <laughs> is that normal? Is that, is that normal? normal? That doesn't. Is that a normal giblet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now the war was over. She told Giblet or Giblet <laughs> that she was uncertain what she would do. Captain Giblet fell for the eloquent, brave war widow and her story. And when she suggested marriage, he happily agreed. It was time to celebrate life after the war. They married in England before setting sail for Sydney. Oh, that's fun. Uh, in Australia, where Ethel began her life as Mrs. Daphne Giblet in a weatherboard house Norm built for them. According to Nichols, Ethel really wanted this marriage, this new identity, this new shot at life to work. But she wasn't prepared for how dull life would be in the outer suburbs of Sydney, especially as Norm kept a tight string on their finances. She's like, perfect life, apart from the fact that uh, I'm used to sort of... She's like, she's very used to freewheeling lifestyle. Yeah. So all of a sudden being in another country in the suburbs and, um, you know, I guess living in what is nearly the 20s, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what it was like, but yeah. I'm guessing uh, housewives' lives weren't that. Yeah. But exciting. if she'd held on to that house in Sydney... She could sell it for $80 million today. Oh, my today. God. It would be worth so much. Yes. Wow. So, she'd be rich today. Just, what just saying. Idiot. Just saying. <laughs> Stuffed up there. Stuffed it. Uh, eventually, Ethel convinced Giblet that life in the Sydney suburbs wasn't for her, and he rented an inner city apartment for her to live in, and he visited her on weekends. <laughs> he got visitation. He's like, she's just like, hey, still love you. Just don't want to live with you. Yeah. You can come visit, though. Get me a nice spot a bit closer to town. Uh, Ethel wrote to her dad telling him, because the last thing her dad's heard is she's she just popping over to Alec. visit Alec and coming back. She's like, wow, they've obviously made up. Yes. She's living with Alec now. <laughs> so Ethel wrote to her dad telling him she met with Alec, which she didn't, but it didn't go well. Uh, and then said, but after it didn't go well, I'm married an Australian and I'm now living in Sydney. <laughs> she would have been like, what? What? But also, ha- doesn't he live quite close to Alec and can probably yeah, confirm that surely. story did not happen? But they're both in the same Alec, did town. you see her by any chance? No, absolutely not. Lie- Why are you lying to me, Why are you me, lying Alec? to me, Alec? You're not like that Billy. How do you know about Billy? <laughs> I, I don't know. He's been watching the whole time. Um, so, yeah, and she obviously she left out the detail of that other little marriage in between. Yeah. She's been Al. married twice since he last saw her. Oh, my God. Honestly, I know a lot of people say, like, you love your children unconditionally. I think if this was my child, I'd be like, I don't have a lot of love left. <laughs> I don't like you very much. You know? Yeah. She's a big old disappointment. Wow. They're strong words from a mother. <laughs> 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 you made yourself laugh. I'm just picturing you as a as a mother to a five times married war widow. I'm now, like, honest, I can see it. Honestly, this is disappointing at this point. <laughs> this is you're furious. Yeah, sitting at home in Manchester. <laughs> uh, 
So she she and her dad started becoming regular pen pals. Um, her updating him on life in Australia and him, or uh, her on life in England. Three years into their marriage, hey, not bad. Not That's bad. pretty good. Giblet found the letters and asked who Frank Swindells was. So his name was on the thing. That was she neatly tied them up at her apartment. Yeah, right. And uh, they were just on a desk. He said, "Oh, who's Frank Swindells?" And uh, she picked up the bundle of letters, ran to the fireplace, and <laughs> threw them in the fire. <laughs> That's not suspicious <laughs> at all. <laughs> no. She's so good at telling stories and getting people to believe them. You couldn't say an uncle. Yeah. <clears throat> she she throws them in the fire and goes, "Sorry, what was your question? I didn't hear it." <laughs> Just, Did you sorry, say just something? something I had to just, do. Just sorry, was, is that the kettle? Yeah, I thought it was just a little cold in here, you know? I thought we'd get the flames going up a little bit. Anyway, I love you. <laughs> Can you go home now? It's my apartment. My apartment. It obviously Single bed only. <laughs> it made him a, a little more sus. He's like, wait, what's going on? And eventually she came clean about everything, or pretty much everything, including the fact that she was already married before marrying him. <laughs> Giblet immediately filed for divorce. Oh, Look, fair. Fair enough. Yeah. I'd be pretty upset, I think. You're one of my three current husbands. Okay. Okay. But, I mean, the Let's others are in a different country, so they're not a threat to we you, baby. We can work it out, babe. Baby. Baby. I need my apartment. <laughs> Ethel then reverted back to the name Daphne Pollard, probably laughing about it, as she did. Such a funny name. And she moved into the stylish Australia Hotel, which would uh, have which is where that wedding reception was we yeah. were talking about earlier. Within weeks, she was engaged to another decorated soldier, Captain Midford Stanley Horn. Oh, Captain, Captain Horn. Oh, that's good. That's a good name. He can be in a porno. Yeah. Um, he could be in a Captain Porno. <laughs> Horn. Captain Horn. Yeah. Captain Porn. Is that is anything, Dave? <laughs> no, that's, that's great work. Can you work that in somewhere? Is that Fantastic. something, We'll put that in the script. <laughs> Uh, they had a big, extravagant wedding, but within days, she stole his life savings and fled. Oh, my God, Daphne. She headed back. <laughs> what? Up for a second, I'm like, who's Daphne? It's <laughs> <laughs> only the funniest name we've ever heard. <laughs> That's right. Daphne. So I can't remember because I'm always laughing when I think of it. Uh, she headed back to England where she met and married an Australian businessman named George Anderson. So she's left Australia. Yep. To go to London uh-huh. and married an Australian. Yep. And is this marriage number six now or seven? Uh, oh, oh, you'd be doing track. better than me. Yeah, we should have kept track from the start. I have no idea. Yeah, it feels like, yeah, that feels like in the Because ballpark. then there was also like fake ones just to get the ring slips and then. Yeah, two, what, two, two of the original guys, then yeah. that guy, Alan, then the yeah, well, captain. Six or seven. Giblets. <laughs> Now, the, the, then the one that she stole, that's Fucking five. Hell. So, this is number six, I think. Yeah, I read, yeah, six, six sounds right. Maybe seven. Um, she has, so, yeah, so she's now with Anderson. Um, and then six months into their marriage, she had a baby from one of her relationships back in Australia, naming the child Frank again. So, wait, okay. She's named both children Frank. Yes. There are so many names. <laughs> her dad's name's Frank. So she's just naming all of her kids Frank. It seems like that, or she's just like that first one didn't really count. She doesn't. She just doesn't really think about it. Oh my god! It's one. Yeah. So six months into a marriage, she has six months into meeting him. Okay. Is he like? Oh, six months. Uh. 
Yeah, I guess that probably would have been a conversation, but uh, he was cool with it and was listed as a child's father on the birth certificate, despite having met Ethel only six months before he was born. Yeah, but it was the 20s. They yeah. didn't know how long uh, yeah. pregnancy was. They can go for however long. This one's, this one was just cooked early. It's yeah. done. Just a Ding! Little, not as Ready big. to go. That's, that's, how right. good, that's how good I am. That's how good I am. I can get a nine-month pregnancy done in six months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, babe. You're welcome. The following year, the young family sailed to Shanghai. So I'm trying to think. This, yeah, so she's currently... What was her name? Anderson? Yeah. No. Daphne. Is Daphne she still Daphne? Anderson, yeah. And so... But she's stolen the life savings of, of one of her ex-husbands. Horn. Horn. Captain Horn. Oh, so she's like... She's got money now as well. She spends it as soon as she gets it, pretty Fuck. much. Fuck! She steals a lot of money and just spends it real quick. What's the point? Save, you know, put 30% aside, Daphne. <laughs> she hasn't read the Barefoot Investor, I don't you not? You've got buckets, <laughs> yes. right? All you want to do all is... Right. You're putting it all in the splurge account. Yeah. What you need is a bit of a rainy day Yeah, situation. you need that rainy day. It's wild how much, like, that's just people know those sort of things. Yeah. Like, that's... At least in Australia, anyway. I mean, I've read the Barefoot Investor. You've read the Barefoot Investor? I've skimmed it. Okay. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. i got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate your last biscuit. I was that saving been, them for my wedding. That has been stressing. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. It was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. So they, they sailed to Shanghai. Shanghai in the 1920s was going off. It was not like China you think of today. It was metropolitan and party time, jazz bars. Right. So you're like, not the China you think of today, Shanghai, one of the largest cities on earth. Yeah. <laughs> 25 million people. It was a, it was more of like a, a city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a, city, a place. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking tiny little fishing village. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. None of that. The 20s, big old city. And Ethel was living her best life, partying at cocktail parties and in smoke-filled nightclubs. How old is she at this point? Well, what are we up to? The you know the twenties. She was born in ninety seven. So yeah, in her mid twenties, mid to mid to late twenties. Yeah, I guess. right. She's lived quite a bit. Yes. 
first marriage at what, 17? That's right. Oh, that's yeah. right. Seventh yeah. marriage at 25. <laughs> yeah. I know, and I forget that some of these marriages are incredibly short lived and there's not much of a courtship. <laughs> so, yeah, she's packing a lot she's in. She's not a big quarter. Uh, <laughs> while, uh, while there in Shanghai, Ethel got pregnant again and headed to England to have her third Frank. son. I wish. She uh, went for something different this she time. She did. She went William Basil Dwight Anderson. <laughs> Pretty great. Oh. Uh, he, and sort of became more known as Basil. Basil. Uh, she then sailed back to Australia to meet her husband, George Anderson. And after a long trip, she was angry to find that he wasn't there to greet her. She'd been hoodwinked. He d- he bailed on her. No. Yeah. This is Billy all over again. Yeah, she's been Just Billy'd as she again. learned to love <laughs> yeah, that's again. Right. She finally let someone in <laughs> after Billy had, had broken her heart. And he didn't turn up. Into a million pieces. And then this guy, whose name I've forgotten. George Anderson, George. that's why. He's no giblets. He's no fucking giblets. George Anderson. I fell. I had a microsleep when I say his name. Yeah, yawn. <laughs> but So she's like, great he'll be here to meet me with the, holding the sign saying my name, even though I'm his wife. Yes. And, and she's just and had their child. And we're going to start our life here, yeah. And he, he he was on the um, birth certificate for the first child as well, but this one was actually his child. Oh, that's right. There was, there was so, two there. Um, yeah. She was thinking, you know, they were going to go start a life that she would soon get bored of and, and flee, but... Um, he fled first. He fled first. So, honestly, they're a match made in heaven. Yeah, that's right. They could chase each other around the globe. Beautiful. If, if you flee first, they can't flee you. Yeah. I've that's always, so true. Yeah, that's, that's why you protect yourself. That's why I always flee. Never get hurt. You hurt others. That's right. That's why I punch everyone I meet. <laughs> Straight in the giblets. You do. <laughs> punch first or be punched. That's why you're king of the prison yard. Yeah, that's right. Uh, according to Nichols, Ethel was heartbroken and angry. A man had made a fool out of her again. Uh-oh. Oh, my and God. And she had nothing to show for it but two young two children. Two children. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Oh. Well, I mean, that's that's why this one is that, like she's now she's not normally. Well, I mean, she is stealing all their money. I was like, she has she's leaving them, but she's not. She is sort of she's yeah taking, taking their all their money. Life she's lying to them. <laughs> yeah, okay. She, most of the time, they don't know her actual name. Pretty badass. She's pretty, pretty badass. <laughs> I'm gonna get a tattoo of this bitch. She's my queen. <laughs> uh, soon after, <laughs> I was just thinking about that. How this all the story started. With uh, the great granddaughter, or whatever, being like, I don't know much about great grandma. Yeah. Do, do you reckon you could look into it? And the yeah. Nichols is like, Yeah, I've come back with a story. You're reading, going, Oh no. Yeah, I don't oh, know if I want to. She's know awful. This story. Yeah. She, apparently, she was. Well, I think she doesn't. She doesn't want it. Her granddaughter was. She did a bit of the press for the book release and okay. stuff. I think she was like, she did some bad things. She did some badass things too. But she was she was pretty incredible. What a great con woman. She was living in a man's world. Oh yeah, it's she an amazing getting things life, done. Yeah. But um yeah, so she's she's she was fascinated by it as well. But yeah, Nichols was just like when I was researching and she just like was obsessed with it for a few years while she was writing it. She's like she was she was saying that every time she saw a new thing, she'd yell out to her partner. Greg, I never <laughs> believe what I've just read. And she's like, after a while, he's like, all right, yeah. we get it. Yeah. She's a wacky character. Let me guess, she's married someone <laughs> yeah, else. Right. Yes. Greg, you're right. Greg, oh my God, you're as quick as Dave Warnicky, <laughs> which is a weird reference. Greg, what's for dinner? <laughs> Greg would be cooking. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, soon after, so she's been stood up. She lands in Australia. By that fucking dog. dog. 
George. Billy too, I call yeah, him. That's right. <laughs> Soon after, she moved in with a man named Mr. Baker. Baker taught her how to drive. Unfortunately for Mr. Baker, though, as soon as Ethel knew how to drive, she packed the boys and their few belongings into his car and drove it away. Holy shit, <laughs> Ethel. And he, but he's also got a bit of a tear because he's so proud. Yeah, of he's like, look she at how well she's doing. She oh did a 3.2. Oh, my God, that's fantastic. staying so well within the lines. <laughs> According to Nichols, soon afterwards, <laughs> Ethel hired a woman called Maggie to take, her, uh, take their clothes away for washing and pressing. Maggie took more than their clothing, however. She completely cleaned Ethel out. <gasps> the con woman again. All the, her beautiful jewellery that had been given to her by various men over the years, the gold wristlet watch from her father, her gold and platinum twin diamond engagement ring from Stan Horn, a beautiful memento of that brief Is she wearing all the rings? <laughs> and that's not uh, a bit of a red flag <laughs> yeah. to any of her new bows. <laughs> A uh, diamond cluster ring, her en- uh, emerald engagement ring from Norman Giblet, her engagement ring from George Anderson with five large diamonds set into the wa- wide gold band, the golden diamond bar brooch Norman gave her when they finished their house in Thornley, and a gold fountain pen she'd pocketed on the trip to Australia the year before. She got jewellery just for their house being finished. Yeah, that's Like great. a push present, but for a house being built. Yes. So she, she loved that sort of stuff. She loved jewellery and bling and that sort of stuff. So she was collecting it as she went. She's a little bower bird. Yes. Um, so they like shiny things? Ma- blue things. But imagine mm. imagine if they like gold and stuff and you just have pet bower birds that just steal for you. Yes. <laughs> That's good. That'd be sick. That'd be a great Batman villain. <laughs> Could I train my dog Damn to sniff you out gold? Bird. <laughs> yes. Goose. Yeah. I think he could be a my Batman villain. thief. Put a little balaclava on him. Oh, fucking hell. That'd be so cute. Uh, he wouldn't look any different. <laughs> that'd be, you wouldn't know what kind of ears he has. No. Uh, back to Nichols. <laughs> all her treasures, all her jewellery gone. Despite filling a complaint with the local police, all her treasures were lost. To top it off, she hadn't been able to track down her husband, George Anderson. <laughs> so, so She's gone to the police and said, I'm missing seven engagement <laughs> rings. All mine. I, I swear. Uh, yeah, he then just she, really she wanted to marry me Still trying to track down George mm. Couldn't do uh, This wouldn't happen until years later When she found out he was actually already married himself No And had other children Ironically it turned out he was a bigamist as well when you, Didn't you say they were a great match? Was that him? They were like they were Yeah sure, it was yeah. yeah They were the same person Yeah Yeah uh, Although he went back to his partner, whereas she never did that. Uh, Ethel had had enough. She was leaving Sydney. That's it. I'm done. I'm leaving Sydney again. Curiously, just before Ethel left again, there was an overnight break-in at Thornley, Giblet's house, uh, in the shop of her previous husband, Norm Giblet. Oh. Oh, sorry. Yes. Not in his house. In in the shop. In his shop. Police records showed a full week's trading. Just over 46 pounds was stolen, but no damage reported. Just a coincidence, perhaps, suggests Nichols. So obviously she almost definitely just robbed her ex-husband. <laughs> Fucking hell. Who did nothing wrong. No. He did nothing wrong other than file for divorce because she had lied for the three years they were married. Yeah. And so then she gets revenge on him he for that. He had it coming. Fucking Billy or whatever his <laughs> Billy name is. Billy three. All men are Billies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not all billies. 
Uh, Ethel and her boys headed south, driving and sleeping in the Studebaker she stole from Mr. Baker. When they got to Cabago, around 400 k's from Sydney, Ethel dropped her boys, Frank and Basil, off at an orphanage, age <gasps> four and three. Oh, my God. What? After this, Ethel sailed back to England. According <gasps> to Nichols... <laughs> Jess, I just shocked. gasped. You... You're laughing at these people for gasping a lot. You, you've you been gasping up a storm over there, young lady. She just dumped her kids at an orphanage and fucked off. Yeah, it was like at a random regional one as well. Cobargo. Oh, my God. Yes. So she dropped them what off. What a badass. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute badass, for sure. I mean. Of all the badasses we've talked about, she takes the cake for badassery. So surely I see a Victoria Cross coming up. <laughs> yeah, she no must be. Um, so Is yeah. there an award for the woman with the most children named Frank? <laughs> <laughs> so after oh. this, Ethel sailed back to England. Uh, obviously leaving the boys behind. According to Nichols, not having much money, she had to travel third class. Oh, uh, can you imagine? Poor thing. My heart it bleeds for her. They wouldn't even let her on the upper decks. Those she, dogs. She what felt, a pack of billies. She felt disrespected and she vowed to herself <laughs> that she would never travel in such a humiliating way again. <laughs> and that she would sink the ship. <laughs> yeah. I hate her. <laughs> I just think she's I'm a badass. I'm so humiliated. I've, I've chosen to get on this ship. Left my kids. <laughs> I sold my kids to be here. I should be up there. <laughs> you billies. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Billy everywhere. Fucking everywhere. Who do you work for? Is it Billy? <laughs> Back Take in me to Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Back in England, she told her father about how her husband Anderson screwed her over and that she'd left her sons in a boy's home. Frank agreed to send her uh, 25 pounds, approximately 2,400 bucks a month to support her family and then told her to go back to Australia and look after her sons. Well, she did return, but not before marrying William Lloyd Thompson in Manchester <laughs> on, the, on the way to the ship, I guess. <laughs> Took all his cash. They and split a cab and then they, <laughs> yeah. she's like, do you want to get married? Do you want to get married and can I have your credit card details? So she, they married in Manchester. She took all his cash and spent it on a first class fare back to Australia. Leaving him behind. The, these trips take so long as well. Yeah, and it's, this is all happening in quick succession really. If I the do, longest gaps are just her on a ship yeah. for a bit. If I do like two international trips in a year, I'm like, fuck. Get out, yeah. would you? Look at me. I'm exhausted. I spent half my year on a plane. Because it's so far. But this you're is... never in first class. Oh, that's true, actually, yeah. Then, I, then I'd want more. Yeah. This is weeks on a boat. Yeah. And she's just got back. Dad's sending her so much fucking money. And then yeah, ongoing, every straight, month. And then back she goes. But do you think she gets on the, the, the boat, she's first class now, and goes, huh? Remember me? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, no. No. I. What? There's multiple of boats. Of course not. Yeah. Oh. Oh, f- oh shit. She's, everything's just very impulsive. Like, no, it's not really thought through. Like, She's why, definitely not planning ahead at all. You could all. get dad's money by just writing him a letter. Yeah. Saying he screwed me over. Why do you have to go all the way to back to London and then come back to Australia? And yeah, it's just obviously just like very compulsive behavior as yeah. well. Because she could, she's... 
She's got access to so much cash and she has. And I mean, even if she hadn't stolen all that money, she could she could just set herself up and yeah. live solo. But, oh, you know, whatever. So I don't, don't want to tell her how to live her life. No. His husband number eight, Lloyd, just on the docks waving her going, <laughs> oh, I'll be on that boat too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hang on. How's this? How's this? Is a plane come and pick me up yeah. and drop me off on there? Or? I'll, I'll catch up to you somehow. <laughs> right, Bye, we'll darling. See you, <laughs> see you, love. So all all of these men that she's marrying is... Sorry, I'm gasping so much now. I've got hiccups. <laughs> um, all these men that she's marrying are now also... Like, they can't really remarry because they're married to her. Yeah, they have to figure out how to... And some of them do... do get divorced or annul their marriages but yeah some of them are just because i think do you need her signature on it i don't, I don't know i've never been divorced so you have to go one of my lo- proudest achievements is i've of, never been divorced oh, yeah some, give it time some of it <laughs> i think like at least they have to go through a long process and yeah. some of it i know i at one point i read one of them got it done pretty quick but another guy was taking him years to Far figure out. it out going to courts and whatnot um so once back in Australia, she collected her blue Studebaker and drove to Cobargo, where she left her kids nearly a year earlier. <gasps> she told the nuns she was going to take her boys for a short drive around the countryside, but she never brought them back, sort of kidnapping them. So she couldn't just take her own children yeah, back? Yeah, I don't She had to know. trick them into... It sounds like it, or is she just... That's just how she did things. They were like, you can have them. They're, <laughs> they're your, your children. They're your kids. Well, honestly, it's rare the parents come back. So we're thrilled to see you. Please take your children. She's like, no, 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 no. Just no, visiting. No, they'll be back. Just going for Bring a little drive with the boys. The boys love a drive. <laughs> Saying hello to the boys. We got them, boys. <laughs> You're coming back with mummy for now. So the family then moved to Elwood in the suburbs of Melbourne. She liked it there, being near St Kilda with the Palais Theatre and Luna Park. It reminded her of Blackpool in England, which she had a lot of fond memories of. Was that the Palais recently? Yeah. Remember we were going to do a live show at the Palais? Yes. Oh, yes. What happened to that? Uh, COVID. <laughs> COVID. Yeah, that's COVID. Right. There was a podcast festival that got cancelled. Yeah, it's great. Because um, I was watching a, it was a Neil Young tribute show, kind of, with some Aussie rock legends in a little super group. And it was great. And I'm like, well, this theater's so sick. Mm. It's so great. And I think Cram maybe mentioned that um, and reminded me, I'd forgotten about it, that developers were going to knock yeah. it down and build apartment buildings there. It's like, wouldn't that be – what a waste that yeah. would be. But, yeah, apparently it was close to happening. So got I'm glad saved, it didn't. Got a lick of paint. It's looking great. Um, but, I mean, if you love it so much, you could live there. If you love it so much, why don't you marry <laughs> yeah. it? Huh? That's a good point. And Ethel did. <laughs> she fleeced that building for all it's worth. <laughs> so, they're, so they're now living in She probably in tried Elwood. to fuck Luna Park or something. Oh, yeah. That big that's mouth. A, that's why I've got such a good grin. So she lied about her boys' ages uh, so they could be enrolled in school. So she said they're older than... She was yeah. saying they're older than they are. That one's 17, that one's 15. <laughs> We're in one of them's, in the- well, they're like four and five now or something. Yeah, they yeah. were three and four. And she's like... They're, they're they're all good too. Yeah, no, you should give them a job at the bank here. Because she doesn't she just doesn't want to actually have to look after them. But so if you can send them off to school most of the day, you can do nights and weekends. Mothering, easy. Piece of piss. <laughs> Piece of piss. Uh, so yeah, she sent them to school and then started spending her days shopping, not always paying and often using checks that would bounce. Under the name Gloria Ethel Gray, 
Ethel found herself in court once again. She took the name Gloria Gray based on an American actress of the same name who she was fashioning herself on now. So she obviously, she just, she wants to be a Hollywood star. Yeah. She's never made any sort of effort to go towards no. Hollywood or any, do any uh, acting. Is it like now me walking around and being like, yes, I'm Tom Cruise. Yeah. And then yeah. people going, oh, well, I like the actor. And you're going, yeah, amazing coincidence. <laughs> Parents hadn't heard of him. Named me Tom. Yeah, that's so weird. Like, to some people, it seems like she's going, no, I'm actually Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then other people are like, yeah, funny coincidence, no relation, but uh, we're both stars in our own ways. <laughs> anyway, I'll be paying for this in check. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after the trial, the jury deliber- uh, deliberated for four hours before finding Ethel guilty on two counts of fraud. But they asked the judge to be lenient in sentencing as Ethel was a single mother. She copped a 50-pound fine and a three-year good behaviour bond. From there, she moved to Adelaide as Lady Betty Anderson. Lady. Yeah, she gave, she gave herself a title. Betty Anderson. Yeah. an upgrade. Lady Betty. Lady Betty. Mm. Uh, Did she take the kids? Uh, yes, she's with the kids. She's with Childs. And um, she was also known there as Mrs. Gardner uh, after Joseph Gardner, who she was now living with. So she had a couple, couple of aliases on the go. Ethel started accruing fraud charges after conning various businesses out of goods and services. She dressed posh, told people what they wanted to hear and was seemingly able to charm anyone. It's a funny thing, like you go, I'm rich. Why would I steal from you? That's sort of the yeah, yeah, the yeah. logic and it, it worked for a time after time. Yeah. She was kind of rich though as well. Mm. Like, yeah. Um, she was charged multiple times but didn't show up to court on numerous occasions. That's a good way to dodge it actually. Yeah, that's right. Just don't turn up. Yeah. How can they sentence you if you're not You can't be sentenced there. if you're not there. Sentence doesn't count if you don't hear it. They're always like, fuck, they're good. She's so good. She's getting away. Uh, instead of uh, showing up, she just move. Brilliant. Love that. Foolproof. Jeez, crime in the olden days is so much easier. Pre-internet. And you just go, now you'd be like, it'd just be on every database, photos of her, goes by, who knows what name she goes by, yeah. but a lot of different names. Look, I thought that, at the, I would have thought that at the start of the story, but then there's also times where there's like seven people from like different post offices being like, yes, I've seen her. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. How have they found all these yeah. people? Yeah, or landladies right. being like, oh, I've been keeping a little <laughs> book of notes on this lady. Yeah, what a creep. All these, <laughs> these people that are just dying to testify yeah. yeah true just to do something it was really boring it was back boring back yeah then. it was very boring well like we started the story there were just strangers who wanted to be out the front of this wedding <laughs> yeah. of these people and there were i don't think i said the lie maybe say it later but apparently they were all excited as every every limo rocked up and guests came out and they were like wow who do you think that is? <laughs> you know, they didn't even know who they were. They were just like, wow, speculating. Imagine who that could be. I bet they're be. important. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So funny. Humans have done some truly amazing things and then sometimes you're like, why do we still exist? <laughs> yeah. Why doesn't a media just knock us all out, you know? <laughs> One can only hope. Oh, fingers are crossed. I uh, would welcome the sweet, sweet release. <laughs> um... So she was charged multiple times but didn't show up to court on numerous occasions. I've already said that, haven't I? Yeah. Um, so after being a no-show to court, she forfeited a 50-pound bond. 
Her passport and checkbook for the, uh, for the account her father was depositing mon- money into was also taken. These were all in police custody. So she just, she had like this one thing she had to like guilt free, if, if you can feel guilt free about your dad just paying for you to live. This money just yeah, coming can, to her. You can because he's a dog. Remember that. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Take the money of yeah. the dog. He's um, absolutely dogged you. But yeah, she's by not showing up to that court, she, she loses. She can't access that money anymore. Uh, or leave the country because she's lost her passport hmm. and uh, the check, uh, yeah, and the £50 bond as well. More and more, she was leaving her young boys for days at a time to fend for themselves, usually leaving enough food and they'd take themselves to school and back and there'd be Aww. food there. Apparently, they'd come home and they'd see how much food there was and they were like, oh, she's gone for two or three days. And they could tell by the amount of food. That's so sad. But... Then one time there was no food and she didn't come back. She didn't come back for days until luckily her neighbours uh, noticed they came by and the the boys were taken by child welfare. Oh. She left Adelaide without them, heading to a country town to work as a live-in nurse for an elderly woman named Mrs. Hunt, now known as Nurse Florence Anderson. She worked for Mrs. Hunt for nine days, collecting a wage as well as a bunch of Hunt's jewellery before heading back to the Victorian border. This was a thing she used a bit. She had this story. I was a nurse in the war. I I love looking after sick people. I love it. Um, That's all I'd like to do. So I'll look after your mum. Where's her (laughs) jewellery? No reason. I just, you know, sometimes I think, uh, you know, people say laughter is the best medicine. I disagree. I put all of a woman's jewellery on her and it just makes her feel good. I mean, if you look a million dollars, you'll feel a million dollars. I'm sorry. Which one of us was a nurse in the war? (laughs) Correct. Me. Thank you. So point me in the direction of your mother's jewellery, please. And go. Because I've got it from here. (laughs) I want you to go and relax yes. far away. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to take the pressure off you and off this safe, which the combination <laughs> is. <laughs> I'm going to need you to give me a three, four day head start. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, I'll do. I will do. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll leave your four days. Your dog is in great hands. I'll no, leave my mum. Yeah, I'll your mum, whatever. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'll leave four days of croskets on the table. <laughs> She'll sort herself out. She can find a spread or something <laughs> if she wants it. She'll I don't know what's wrong with a plain crust. Yeah, some people say they're dry. <laughs> I say get a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll leave for some water. Jeez. Jeez Hi, maintenance. <laughs> so, so, so next, Ethel headed. So she, she left Mrs. Hunt. And headed to Ballarat, where she morphed into Mrs. Horden, the wife of real person Sir Samuel Horden, someone she'd never met, a wealthy Sydney businessman. You might know the Horden Pavilion in Sydney. That's named after him. Okay. Uh, As Mrs. Horden, Ethel went around town collecting goods and services under the pretense that her rich husband was soon coming to town to fix everyone up. Oh, don't worry. My husband, Sir Horden. He'll come and fix this up in a few well, days. She's going to the bakery like, I'll have one cream bun. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, Mr. Horden, Sir Horden, will be here in a couple of days to fix up my account with this cream bun. It'll be the first thing he does is goes around and visits all the little shops <laughs> yeah. I've been in. Actually, I, I'll, I'll have a Boston bun for the road. <laughs> Once again, Mr. Horden yeah, will be Horden. paying for that. He'll fix, he'll fix Who's up falling <laughs> for that? Well, Because the, the, yeah, the thing is, they're like, oh my God, Mr. He's, he's quite a famous businessman. Okay, He'll so come to my shop. So I should 
walk in and say, hello, I'm Jessica Packer. <laughs> <laughs> Kerry Packer's wife. He'll be here tomorrow <laughs> to pay for this gold chain and um, Boston bun. Wait, isn't he long dead? <laughs> Is this a strange shop you have? <laughs> <laughs> Jewelry and buns, my two favorite things. <laughs> I shall be your finest customer. Terry will be very happy with this indeed. <laughs> my son James loves Boston buns. <laughs> And my daughter-in-law, Mariah Carey. <laughs> oh, she loves, she loves a tart. Do you have any tarts? Any Portuguese tarts? tarts. She loves them, my daughter-in-law, Mariah Carey. <laughs> Mariah Carey married James Packer. No, they were, they were engaged I for think a they time. Were briefly engaged. Wow. wow. I know. What a, what a scoop. <laughs> Heard it here first. Yeah. Something I heard that it happened here first several anyway. years ago. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's, it's over. So she's in Ballarat as... Uh, Mrs. Horton. I feel my grandma lives. Oh, <laughs> I wonder, wonder, wonder if she was duped. Oh my goodness. Uh, so um, she loved telling her various backstories to the shopkeepers of Ballarat. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, <laughs> she told slightly different ones yeah. to them all, and they liked telling her stories to each other as well. Amazing that she would think you could get away with that because other people don't talk to each other. Like people, uh, other humans to her just exist. They are completely still and in place when she's not there. Yeah. And then they come to life when she approaches them and then she could say whatever she wants and do whatever she wants and then she walks away and they just little cardboard cutouts <laughs> again. <laughs> this is like she, she just had to tell the same story. Exactly. Um, the audacity uh, and the stupidity is frustrating. Yeah, sometimes uh, these con people we hear about are very, very good at it. And they get better at it. She's not getting better no. at it. Yeah, normally, you, I feel like you don't, they normally haven't been to jail once by this point. No. But yeah. She's, she's in and out of court. Um, and then, according to Nichols, in less than a week of her, uh, arriving in Ballarat, the florist who supplied her with fresh flowers daily. So she's conning this poor woman out of daily fresh flowers for need, some reason. Why do you need them every day? <laughs> Put them in water. <laughs> the last a few. I think it's because, yeah, she sees herself as yeah. worthy of everything. Um, you know, she is Kerry Packer's daughter after yeah. all, <laughs> or whatever she was. Um, so, yeah, so the florist loved to, to tell the story of the lovely Miss Horden to the milliner, uh, namely that the rich lady had been a nurse in the Great War on the Western Front. The milliner was certain the florist must have been mistaken, though, as her charming new rich client told her she had worked for the war office and travelled incognito to the continent. Mm. The milliner was delighted at having sold an expensive black crocodile skin handbag to such an esteemed person and was looking forward to receiving the funds from Sir Horden himself. <laughs> Any um, day now, Sir Horden's, Horden's coming to town. Well, I'm looking forward to being paid for this oh, item. I cannot <laughs> wait to be paid it's for gonna this. It's going to be a real honour. <laughs> Annoyed that the milliner was calling her mistaken, the florist confronted Miss Horden when she passed by her shop the next morning. Ethel assured the florist it was in fact her friend the milliner who had the facts wrong, then immediately set about leaving town, owing money <laughs> to the boarding house, the florist, the taxi driver, the hairdresser and the milliner. 
Athol, learn her lesson. Stick to one story in a country town. Oh, fucking idiot. I love, uh, that idea of her being like, oh, you've, yeah, no, you've got it right. She's got it wrong. So mm. embarrassing. Anyway, and <laughs> just <laughs> running out of the building. Arriving in Melbourne, Ethel was at a loss as to what to do next. So she decided to head to Perth, Western Australia. What? Yeah. Come to Melbourne and then go, well, what do I do next? Well, I mean, first of all, take in the laneways and the coffee (laughs) culture. How about that? A little bit of art at the NGV. See a game at the G. Yes. Sporting capital of the country. Or at least the state. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Without the money to sail first class... Ethel charmed her way into the Governor-General's entourage as famed English opera singer Eva Turner. That's pretty... Okay, that's... I'm impressed by that. Yeah. Like the Governor-General, If uh, for people outside of Australia, that's kind of like our king or queen. Is that right? It's our... It's yeah, our rep- representative. Yeah, representative of the queen. Um, and, uh, yeah, has the power to sack the Prime Minister, but that's only ever happened once, right? I'm saying that right. As far as I know. Yeah. Um, Just as a great uncle wasn't sacked. No, he wasn't sacked. He lost his job due to incompetence. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like an honourable man. Yeah. you got to do a sh- an episode on him one day. I would, but I don't understand politics. Okay. So I've tried reading about it and I'm like, what does this mean? We should get like... Uh, Tom Ballard in to do an episode yeah, of that or something. Yeah, that'd be great. Real- oh, I'll still do the report, but I'd need somebody to like Ballard to explain yeah, everything yeah. to me. What so Labor is... <laughs> one of the major parties. Is that right? Uh, so she, she conned her way onto the ship with this story. She's opera singer Eva Turner, a real famous English opera singer. Um, when on the ship, she found an empty cabin and travelled first class as Turner. So luckily it was just an empty cabin. She's like, I'll take that. Um... Now, can you see any possible issues here? The real Eva Turner. The real Eva Turner. Or, or, or they're going to ask for a bit of entertainment. Yes, exactly. From like, the real Eva Turner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the real Eva Turner's right behind her. She's behind you. Going, <clears throat> So they do, they go, oh, so what an honour to have a famous opera singer on board. Please, would you do us the honour of uh, singing for us? Now, I think mm-hmm. you would just say that you are recovering from something. But I'm on I, vocal rest. But I also think that she is uh, wild enough to go, all right, I'll yeah. give it a crack. I, what I would do is I would go full diva because I'm not wrecking my own reputation, am I? Yeah, that's right. I'd just be like, no, how dare you? I am just travelling. Yes. I am on vocal rest. Of course I won't do that. I'll be in my chambers. Good day. Sure, I've been talking non-stop. Yeah. <laughs> but this is how I vocal rest. Okay. Vocal rest starting now. It's a gentle vocal no, rest. You were right, Dave. She spun a great story about having a throat infection. Oh, okay. That's, that's... And the others, then they bought it. Uh, they backed down. Arriving in Perth. She found the city dull and headed straight back to Melbourne. Oh, my God. See, it's like such a long trip. It's that's such a long trip. Yeah, what would have been back then? I guess like on the boat. So we've gone all the way around. Holy shit. So probably like a week or something maybe. I have no idea. Two days? (laughs) Seven weeks. It would take a a while. I think that would take a long time. I think there'd be a few stops. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. They'd stop along the way. And also boat. Is that the most direct? Oh, it's a long time ago, I guess. Sure, now we can fly. Even that's cumbersome. 
Honestly, I would have just flown Jetstar if I was her. Yeah. But then no first class. No first class. <laughs> you can't your enter first and class. And the time difference is a bit, you know, mm. really gets, gets you, doesn't it? No, yeah, yeah, bloody hell. Uh, according to Nichols, again using her movie star name, Gloria Gray, she p- plied her trade in only the best establishments, cashing checks from a bank account she had opened with only one pound and obtaining numerous luxury items. When things got a bit hot in Melbourne, she dyed her hair a different shade and travelled up to Sydney. Under the various names of Florence Dunkley, Elizabeth Gardner, Elizabeth Anderson, Elizabeth King, Lady Betty Anderson, Anderson, which is my favourite, Florence Anderson. Anderson. She's just at this point she's she's begging to be she's mocking questioned. Them. Yeah. yeah. My name is Anne Anderson. <laughs> okay. Oh my you god. You look a lot like Lady Betty Anderson. No, no, no. No, 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 no I'm Anne. <laughs> no relation. Disson. No relation. People get us confused sometimes though. I'm Anne. Disson. My surname is Disson. But also <laughs> the list hasn't ended. She also went by Florence Disson. <laughs> <laughs> Gloria Gray and Pamela Pilkington. And she took Sydney by storm, passing value, uh, valueless checks from the city to ride in the quieter northern beach suburbs, all new areas for her. So she was being clever in that way. She wasn't going back to areas she'd worked in before with other names. She even managed to convince one gullible jeweler that she was Mrs. Fingleton, the wife of a member of the Australian cricket team. He happily gave her a large cameo brooch on credit never to see the delightful cricketer's wife or brooch again. Uh, soon she was on the move again, like as, as she always was, heading south. She stopped by Goulburn, which is where Bron Liversy, who suggests oh, this topic's from. that's right. Maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe met a guy and had yeah, Bron's dad or something. Uh, Goulburn, of course, being the future home of the big Merino, um, which we mentioned semi-regularly on this show for some reason. <laughs> uh, there she was arrested for evading taxi fares. Luckily, she was arrested under the name Gloria Gray, which was a name she hadn't used much in New South Wales, so they didn't realise she had a large criminal history and was granted bail, after which she did a runner back to Melbourne. So this is the beauty of all her different names. Every time she's arrested, they're like, oh, you've got, you've, you've yeah, got you've perfect behaviour. Yeah. yeah, this is my first defence officer. We don't even have any record of you, so you're obviously a model citizen. <laughs> yeah, you're all good. Not even a birth certificate. Never heard of the surname Disson <laughs> before. It's beautiful. Beautiful name. For a boy or girl. Boy or girl. <laughs> Another of her popular aliases at the time was Judith Anderson. The real Judith Anderson was an actor only seven months older than Ethel and was recently working in the UK opposite legendary actor Laurence Olivier, one of Ethel's favourites. I mean, okay, the, the small flaw in the plan of... Picking a famous actor is if you're aware of who the actor is, you probably are also aware of what they look like, right? Yeah, that's right. And it's like, yeah, so it feels like surely you want to have names that aren't memorable as no. well. Yeah. yeah. But I guess if they're fake names, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, it's strange. Um, as Judith, Ethel stopped in at Albury on the Victoria New South Wales border and cashed a dodgy check for 20 pounds, about a thousand bucks, with an unsuspecting shopkeeper. She loved the thrill of fooling people and believed that if she did a good enough job, the people she conned would be too embarrassed to tell the police. Days after arriving back in Melbourne, though, Ethel was recognised by a saleswoman who she'd previously conned. The police were notified and Ethel was arrested. 
According to Nichols, Ethel was headed back into the court system, this time in Victoria, with 25 different charges of acting under false Oof. pretenses against her. Uh-oh. It seemed that there are at least 25 people in Victoria who weren't too embarrassed to tell the police about how they'd been duped. The case was heard in the first week of June 1934. So, what are we, she's now 37. Uh, Zara Dave? Yep. She's uh, so young! With Florence Elizabeth Ethel Anderson uh, being charged under the name of Gloria Gray. After laying down the foundations of her story, her lawyer tried to turn the blame onto the shopkeepers, telling the judge that they should expect little sympathy, sympathy from the court. These tradespeople were as much to blame for having given her credit as she was for having pressed, passed bad checks. The judge, who somehow also happened to be Ethel's lawyer's father, agreed saying he never ceased to wonder at the gullibility of tradespeople in the city who accepted good appearances and manners and who were ready to give credit and cash checks without first making proper inquiry. He thought they were to blame for their gullibility, but qualified this by saying he did not think they should be exploited. Ethel was found guilty of 10 of the original 25 charges and sentenced to six months in Pentridge Prison. No, that's that's wild. Is that the thing that is allowed where a judge and a... Is ruling yeah. on it? Surely not, right? No. But he's still got six months. So Pentridge for people from Manchester, that's our strange ways. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, I, a few uh, well-known Pentridge in, inmates from over the years include Ned Kelly, who mm. we did a, just did a report on years back, Mark Chopper-Reed, Squizzy Taylor, and Ronald Ryan. Uh, Ryan, do you know the name Ronald Ryan? Yeah, was yes. he the last person? Well, yeah, that's right. Mm. He was the last per- a man executed in Australia. But I didn't realise this. He was hanged in D Division of Pentridge. Yeah. On the 3rd of Feb, 1967. Mm. So, yeah. I, 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 knew I knew he was the last guy executed, but I didn't, it feels quite recent. And yeah, I didn't realise it happened, you know, what, like... Up the road. Five minutes from where we are right now. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool. <laughs> I know how you love I mean, being involved in a story. Every time she comes back to Melbourne, my heart is a flutter. <laughs> like, oh, that's where I live. And uh, Pentridge is no longer a prison. It's now uh, apartments and a shopping centre. They yeah. did to it what they were trying to do to the Palais. Yeah. It's funny to be like, oh, this is where people used to get hanged. Anyway, want to see a movie? Yeah, let's go to the <laughs> cinema. They, I see a sign like near work every day. It's like a, an advertisement for store your wine in a lovely cell at Pentridge. Like they've, <laughs> oh my they God. now have the, 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 that's how small the cells were. Right. They're wine cellars They're wine now. cellars. <laughs> oh. So you can pay to have your wine uh, stored uh, there. But then, like every time you want a bottle of wine, you have to make the trip down to the prison. Well, yeah, you got to sign the papers, get them released, yeah. <laughs> pay the bail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you call it when a suburb becomes goes from gentrification? Wh- gentr- I've never heard of a a bigger example of yeah. gentrification than prison cell <laughs> to wine cellar. Yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, during her time in Pentridge, Ethel had an altercation with a fellow inmate, which left her with a permanent limp. Oh, dear. Jess, Ooh. was that you? Yeah. Betty, I you took her, as soon her in as the hip. She walked in. <laughs> Get ready, shaken. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready, shaken. <laughs> That's what I said. That's my catchphrase <laughs> like, in prison. Huh? Have you seen that movie? Shawshank Redemption. Huh? Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> It's a sure shiv redemption. <laughs> yeah, sure shiv. Is that, it's called something. Anyway, I'm going to stab you now. Can't remember what it's called. It's pretty good. Pretty good, <laughs> pretty though. Pretty good, though. Like Check it out. Andy Dufresne. If you recover. 
I love Morgan Freeman. Hello, I'm Jess. <laughs> Sorry about the shanking. Oh, if, if she was around now, there's some of the names she'd be using. I'm Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Andy Dufresne. Andy Dufresne. Beautiful Shank name. Freeman. Uh, Shankderson. Free man. <laughs> So leaving prison, she once again headed for Sydney with the plans of then heading back to England. But she was broke. So in the following three weeks, she duped three more victims, posing again as nurse Florence Anderson. Within days of arriving and telling her war nurse stories, she was gone with their cash. Oh, my God. Once in Sydney, she found the newspapers filled with stories of the Australian cricket team heading over to England for the European summer. It was the 1934 tour, Don Bradman... And they went over and ended up, spoiler alert, but ended up, uh, the Aussies got it done in the ashes over there. The Aussies, they got it done. They brought it home. They brought it home. Well, I don't know if they were allowing us to bring it home still. It's that weird thing where England's like, no, nah, the trophy's too delicate to travel on your little boat, so we'll keep it here. <laughs> Do they even give you a ribbon you or something? It. They give you a little ribbon, Oh, yeah. that's nice. I like that. I love a ribbon. Easy to store. <laughs> Put that in a drawer somewhere if you want. Uh, so Ethel read that the team were heading over on a ship called the RMS Orford. She packed herself ready for the trip and boarded the ship without a ticket, uh, planning to just talk her way onto the journey like she had done on the on the ship to Perth. And um, this is just because the cricketers are going over. Yeah, she wanted to go back to England anyway, but this is also like getting there with the, you know, she's always wanting to be in there with the society set yeah. or whatever they... Well, what's her lie? I'm Don Bradman. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hi, Donna Bradman. <laughs> Call no. me Don. <laughs> so she she boarded the boarded the ship, uh, and was swiftly ejected <laughs> into the really, sea. Happened really quickly, like <laughs> out of a cannon into the sea. <laughs> they put her in a seat and ejected it. Yep. <laughs> Uh, All right, this way, madam. <laughs> Undeterred, she jumped on the next ship that was heading to San Francisco. Just another place. She's like, that'll do. Um, she had a little bit more success, once again posing as the opera singer Turner. But she was found, within a few days, she was found out and turfed from the ship <laughs> in New Zealand to waiting police officers. As she was being escorted from the ship, she said to the captain... I will not be recommending your ship to my friends. <laughs> you don't have any friends. That's a good line. She doesn't have any friends. She only has ex-husbands. The shipping company <laughs> didn't press charges and she was shipped back to Sydney. That makes it sound like in a packing crate or something. But <laughs> uh, And then she, she got when she got off in Sydney, the press were there and she was loving it. They're like, well, how'd you get on and what happened? How did they treat you? And she was like... Loving telling a story to the to the journalists, which seems like not clever stuff for someone who's trying to evade, yeah, being noticed and stuff. You want to have my? Do you want my picture taken for the paper? Sure, mm. show everyone the Conwood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. here's my many names. Um, next, she went to Brisbane, uh, and then when she arrived, uh, she met Mister Balfour. Uh, she soon moved in with him and began calling herself Betty Balfour or Lady Betty Balfour. <laughs> Lady Betty Balfour. Uh, both of those <laughs> names were uh, names of real famous people at the time. Unfortunately, Mr. Balfour was a bit of a violent burke and after he hit her, Ethel decided it was time to move on, taking his checkbook. That one felt pretty good. <laughs> Reading that one, I'm like, yes, yeah. Ethel, fucking take that take checkbook. That. Fuck uh, that guy. She headed back to Melbourne. She oh must be God. in transit between the eastern capital cities of Australia more than anything else in her yeah. life. 
Uh, I think she's been in Melbourne more times than I have. <laughs> That's right. And I was fucking born here. It's beautiful to arrive here back in Melbourne. <laughs> so when she was in Pentridge, she uh, had a tip that there was this um, dodgy justice of the peace if she ever needed forged documents. So she went down back down to Melbourne to uh, meet this guy. They weren't able to say his name in the in the book. They gave him a pseudonym, but it, so obviously it was... He was so dodgy. He was a legit guy and they, for some reason, still unable to say his name. Um, wow. For, for a large fee, he organised her a fake birth certificate so she could apply for a passport and uh, head to England. She now had a new name, Pamela Judith Eve Harvey, and a new age, 29. So she dropped tw- nine years. Nice. Um, apparently when she... <laughs> on the next trip... Someone was like, like visibly shocked at her age. <laughs> she had to laugh it off. That's brutal. Yeah. Oh, that that oh, that yeah, hurts. that hurts. Twenty nine. <laughs> what? What? They gasped. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You, Who are you kidding? You are decrepit. Oh my god! You've lived. Oh my god! I'm gonna get you on a skincare routine. Yeah, this is not right. Your face is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of sunscreen? 20, oh, man, I would have said 45. You look terrible. Oi, Meryl, come <laughs> over here. Look at this freak. You 29. are leather. Show her the passport. Show her the passport. 29. <laughs> I've seen skin, hairless cats that look younger than you. Oh, the wrinkles. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Who do you think you're fooling, you stupid woman? Anyway, pleasure to meet you. Yeah, great to meet you. So she, she I'm king of the moon. <laughs> See how stupid I sound. So as Pamela, Judith Eve, Harvey, and a new age, she I literally can't remember her real name. Nah. Ethel, Ethel Beavers, Swindles, <laughs> Ethels, of course, Swindles, yeah, of course. So she, um, she was ready to head back to England. Apart from the fact she didn't have enough money to travel there first class, so if she didn't have enough money to travel there first class. Right, so you just go third class is what you can afford. It's the honest way. No, instead she went to New Zealand. Oh, okay. Which is where she could go first class. According to Nichols, on the ship to Wellington, Ethel befriended Mr. and Mrs. McTaggart. McTaggart formally introduced Ethel to the guest speaker, Mr. William Corradine. At 55, he was 16 years older than Ethel and 25 years older than her alias, Eve. (laughs) (laughs) A single civil engineer, he had recently sold his share of a Ceylon tea plantation and was heading back to Britain to undertake some consultative work at Whitehall before officially retiring. What kind of work? Consultative. Oh, that was just fun to listen to. Yeah, how how would a normal person say that? No, I think that's right. (laughs) It was a a joy. (laughs) Consultative. It feels like I added a syllable. Yeah, that can't be right. Maybe some consulting work. Yeah. Nah, consultative. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'm quoting direct from Nichols here. Dave, have a go. Try saying it though. Consultative. How fun was that? It is fun to say. And I must say, Nichols does like to add a little bit of flair to to stories, words. I love it. Yes. I love it too. Big fan of Nichols. Holy shit. What a story. I want to read this book now and I know everything. Yeah. You know? It was. I've been listening to it, uh, reading it in the day, and then listening to it at night. Sort of <laughs> catch it. I'll listen to it at night and fall asleep. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna have to read that to catch it up. But um, uh, so yeah, so he he was undertaking some consultative work <laughs> <laughs> before retiring. Uh, to Ethel, Mister William Alexander Corradine was too good an opportunity to miss. Of course. 
Once again, Ethel had a chain. Uh, once again, Ethel had a chance at a life free from deception, relatively speaking. Anyway, um, she was still lied about nearly everything. Yeah. Uh, she told him her father had been a doctor at Harley Street, but had died two years before she embarked on a world trip, and she had nursed him through a long, horrible illness. Her mother, a member of the Coates Cotton Dynasty, same. It's still cotton, just a different family. A more famous one, I guess. Uh, Had also died when she was quite young, so they had something in common. She had never married or had any children. All of that lies, obviously. That's fucking... I mean, she's married so many times and she's dumped a couple... She's dumped three three children. Yeah, and those those two were just taken by child services. It seems like she never looked into what happened to them. Um, Why take... What... uh, Yeah. Yeah, they were they were probably better just being left at the orphanage. Yeah. Maybe. Why did you have to steal them from the orphanage and then just abandon them? Um, so yeah, it's also it's so much information in this new relationship she's about to have that she has to remember. Yeah, it's exhausting. Um, she told him she was keen to head back to England and settle down with him if he was interested. Nichols continues. Mr. Corradine was delighted. And on the 27th of February, 1935, they were married at his uncle's parish church in Rotorua. Uh, with a fresh marriage certificate, Eve Corradine, knee Harvey, applied for a new passport for a new life. They set off for England and Ethel was content. She was invited to all the best Chelsea social occasions, had a rich, respectable husband, a beautiful home she could entertain him freely, and then life took an unexpected turn. At nearly 40 years of age, although her husband thought she was about 31, Ethel found out that she was pregnant. William was ecstatic. He was going to be a father. Ethel was not nearly as excited. Ethel Mary Corradine arrived on the 22nd of September 1936, but sadly died only a few weeks later. Mr. Corradine was heartbroken. Filled with grief, his health and spirits deteriorated, and he officially retired. Ethel wanted to sell the house, saying it was filled with sad memories, and that they should move somewhere more gay and start again. But all William wanted to do was stay indoors and mourn. So Ethel took off to the French Riviera. She had always wanted to live in the playground of the rich and famous that she'd seen again and again portrayed on film. So she, yeah, she was. She left him there to mourn. She went to party. She partied in the casinos of Monte Carlo and Nice. She wanted to be noticed and accepted into the scene, but she struggled to make an impression, even with her storytelling, which was. Everywhere else was very good. Yeah. But there, she felt like a small, dull fish in a very big pond. Instead of becoming a mover and a shaker in the Riviera, all she succeeded in doing was gambling away all the money her husband had given her for the trip. After a third request for extra funds in a month, her husband asked her to return home. But unbeknownst to him, she didn't even have enough money to travel back. Despite trying her normal cons, the people of Nice found her poise transparent. They're like, we know what you're doing. Yeah, if you're not going to pay up front, fuck off. Yeah. Uh, luckily, she was able to spin a tale to her, her hotel manager who lent, uh, lent her enough money to make it back to England. But instead of heading home, Ethel went back to Blackpool where her scams worked once more, restoring her faith that she hadn't lost her touch. Oh, my God. She's Did she, so someone said, I'll marry you. She goes, I'm back, baby. <laughs> Woo. Okay, that's a weird response. She successfully hoodwinked people out of goods and services around the country. So she started traveling around hoodwinking again and conning. Just leaving her husband mourning in mm, their house. That's so That's sad. awful. 
until in early July 1938, when she was once again busted, this time for using worthless checks. She thought she'd get away with a slap on the wrist, but unfortunately, Ethel was sentenced to more time in prison. 20 years after first spending time in jail, she was back in the big house again. By this point, she'd been officially married eight times, divorced three times, um, and she decided to write to her husband, Mr. Corradine, and come clean, at least about her gambling and where she was now, and apologising for not coming home, hoping that he would forgive her. Corradine went straight to visit her in prison, racked with guilt for not sending her more money and blaming himself for her being in jail. He promised to make it up to her. Oh, Mr. Corradine! <laughs> he sounds nice. He is nice. Together, they bought a home in Blackpool and at Ethel's request, set her up with a business, a stall selling artificial flowers to tourists. She's like, I wanted someone to keep me busy. I want a, want a business. So, um, yeah, she, was, she became a flower merchant. Oh. Uh, so, was Ethel finally ready to settle down for real? Uh, no. Oh. In the summer of 1942, she met a man named Thomas Livesey. I don't know if that name rings a bell. No, there's been so many <laughs> fucking names. Ethel soon asked a wealthy businessman to the movies. From then on, they met regularly. Ethel felt she had her next husband lined up. Oh, my God. What about Mr. Corradine? Well, yeah. This is So, she, she had him lined up despite the fact that both uh, she and he were married to other people. Scandalous stuff. Livesey was loaded. He'd inherited a family fortune worth more than $7 million in today's money. Ethel told him she was sti- only still with Mr. Corradine out of loyalty as his health was now steadily failing and had started failing since the death of his daughter. And it, it sort of, yeah, he was, it seemed like he was dying. Uh, soon, Ethel and Livesey were going on romantic trips together to the Isle of Man. In 1943, they stayed at a hotel owned by Ellen and Leo Kane. Mm. Ethel's Sound like landlords. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the Nosy business. Nosy that- landlords. Yeah, that's right. Keep She's about nose. to become the thing she hated the most. Mm. Ethel set up a meeting with Ellen with the hopes of buying one of the hotels. Ellen was uncomfortable when Mr. Livesey came to the meeting as well. According to Nichols, Katie pulled herself up upright and looked at the pair through her spectacles. I had not realised you are in business together, she remarked. Ethel smiled gently. We are to be married, Mrs. Kane. But you are already married, are you not? She asked Mrs. Livesey, uh, Mr. Livesey. Both of you, to different people, she added, looking between the two. Oh, no need to bother yourself, Mrs. Kane, Ethel assured her. Mr. Livesey here is seeking a divorce, and my husband is ill. He won't be with us for much longer. That's, oh. that's the, uh, I guess, the um, imagined conversation by Nichols. So, why are you being so nosy, Mrs. Kane? Yeah. My husband's practically <laughs> dead. Yeah. He's back at home, alone, dying, very unwell. So, Probably maybe. Probably f- because our daughter died. So, he'll be dead in no time, and I won't be there by his side. So, I'll be well and truly ready to marry... What's your name again? <laughs> this guy. This guy. Bozo over here. <laughs> this guy. Moneybags McGee or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Marry this guy. Cash or whatever. Yeah. So are we? Are you selling me a hotel or what? Well, Ellen was horrified with the, this idea that these two married people were planning to get married. Uh, enough to tell them they could no longer stay at her hotel. Good. But not enough to reject their offer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your money. Unless you buy the hotel. 
It was decided Ethel and Livesey would be moving to the Isle of Man. Now, this is all happening while Coradine's... Coradine! my heart bleeds for you. So, Ethel went back uh, by Coradine's bed until he did die. So, the, the last little period she... Apparently, she stayed by his bedside. Oh, well, oh, I take it all back then. <laughs> stayed by his bedside with a pillow over his face, <laughs> slowly mushed into his nose. She was so excited every time he was quiet. She was like, mm-hmm. fine. And then he'd take a breath. She'd be like, fuck. <laughs> Still alive. On Friday, the 15th of October, 1943, he passed peacefully away. Well, that's what we think. But maybe you've just cast the spurs. He was there. murdered. Peacefully. Peacefully. He was murdered peacefully in his sleep. <laughs> what a way to go. He says that on his grave. <laughs> murdered peacefully in his sleep. Ethel then sold off their house and all their household contents, uh, withdrew all the money from her late husband's estate and caught the plane to the Isle of Man. She lived with Livesey at the hotel for a while before moving to a stately home called Ivy Dean. Though Livesey still wasn't divorced, Ethel told others they were married, including her father, who she contacted for the first time in years. Her dad had tried unsuccessfully for years to get in touch with her and and his grandsons in Australia. The last he'd heard from her, uh, she was Mrs. Anderson living in South Australia with her sons, and then they disappeared. So this is quite a while earlier. The two two that you really... Well, I really felt for reading this story... Were Coradine and her dad. Yeah. I mean, there's heaps of... So many. Heaps of people to feel for, but yeah, for some reason those two stood out. And the, well, the boys. Um, her... Um, so yeah, he finally got back in contact with her and Ethel wrote a long letter from her new home at Ivy Dean apologising for the gap in communication, saying she had simply been too busy. What? She caught him up on what she'd been up to though. When I say he got in contact with her, she got in contact with him. According I'm sorry, to Nichols, I've been far too busy. Anyway, don't know where the kids are. No, oh. she told him they were in uh, at Geelong Grammar, which is a lie. Which is like a very prestigious school. Yeah. Pretty expensive. Yeah, that's right. So she's, Boarding school. What, she's trying to be like, they're, they're great. They're in well, because he'd, he'd been sending her a lot of cash. He'd be like, assume that money that I'm sending to look after the kids. Oh, no, don't worry. They're in the most expensive school in the country. He'd be like, okay. Wonderful. Great. Can I contact them? No. Absolutely not. <laughs> Please don't. They won't remember you. They've, I'd change their names. You can contact them, but they've got different names now. <laughs> I won't tell you what those names no, are. No, but they'll know. If you say, who two couple of brothers? Yeah, that's them. Whoever they say. They're really good like that. According to Nichols, the return letter was filled with a father's love and concern. He was delighted she was well and living so close compared to Australia and hoped his grandsons were doing well. He had sad news, though. Her eldest son, Frank Carter, had been killed in the ongoing war and her mother had passed away just months before and he was in the process of selling their family home. The news of her sons and her mother's deaths did not overly sadden Ethel, but she did miss her father. Perhaps he would like to join them on the Isle of Man, he suggested. Or she suggested, sorry. Is she the worst person you've ever heard I of? I think maybe, yeah. I'm not that saddened by the death of my son. Well, I mean, this is according to Nichols. She didn't... I don't know exactly know how I she mean, gleaned that information. I mean, this is a kid she abandoned from yeah, so maybe days that's old. So yeah. I'm going to say she wasn't all that moved. Um, so March of... 1944, Ethel's father moved to the Isle of Man. 
showing him her life there. He was pleased. She was so happy and successful. It sounded like he was a proud dad, despite everything. And he dad. Just, he but just, if you've brought dad along now, how are you going to fuck off suddenly? Oh, because be, she's going to. She doesn't give a shit about anyone except herself. So oh, she'll she'll she's ruin abandon this. dad. She's moved this. there. Sporadically, she feels bad. She she misses her dad, so you, I guess she's like, I want to be with, the, I want to be with my dad, and then she's not, yeah, she's not really thinking about how he feels in the large gaps in between. Yeah, because um, she's very busy though. That's right, she's very busy. She's very very busy. That was one of her names at one point. Uh, busy. Ethel Busily. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Ethel Busily. Uh, according to Nichols, both she and Mr. Livesey noticed that he had become a bit fuddled. And on Mr. Livesey's advice, Ethel suggested to her father that Mr. Livesey become his power of attorney and manage his affairs and all the paperwork involved with selling his home and two other properties in Manchester. Mr. Swindells agreed and signed everything over to his new son-in-law. The only cloud in Ethel's sunny sky was the fact that Thomas Livesey's wife refused to give him a divorce and was threatening to take him for everything he owned. In the meantime... Sorry, and they've just handed that man... Yep. ...control... Of her father's. Bird. Hey, so my, uh, my sort of partner I live with is about to get sued for everything he owns. Also, Dad, can you hand over what <laughs> you own to him? It doesn't seem that smart. But they, they think this through, sort of. In the meantime, Ethel changed her name by deed poll to Florence Elizabeth Ethel Livesey. Hang on. What if she just changed her name to his wife's name? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Then no need to file for anything. Now you're two steps ahead. <laughs> and then quietly get her drunk and make her change her name yes. by deep poll to some other bullshit. Yeah. One of her many bullshit. Maybe Anne Disson. Yeah, she can have Anne Disson. <laughs> That's yours now. You're welcome. I, I gave you the it. best one. <laughs> yeah, that is easily the I best one. I came up with that myself. You could have been Daphne, but yeah. I gave you Anne Disson. <laughs> could have been Daphne Disson, but... But I gave you Anderson. I gave you Anderson. <laughs> Sorry, Anderson. Listen, I beg your pardon. I didn't pause. <laughs> so, yeah. So, she's changed her name by deed poll. This is uh, back to Nichols. This was the first stage in their plan to protect Mr. Livesey's assets from his wife and children. And by the end of the month, all of his assets, including five investment properties, uh, worth over uh, nearly half a million in today's cash, which is funny because the same land would be worth like a trillion dollars. Yeah. But uh, somehow... Property prices have gone up faster than money prices. I'm not an economist. I'm sorry if I said it wrong. No, I think that was right. Sounds right to me. Uh, so so she, she had control of all this and this was to keep it away uh, from his wife who wanted to get it. Mm. Um, in the meantime, Ethel was living it up, partying, traveling and shopping. In less than six months, she managed to spend more than £6,000, over $380,000. Jesus. Just partying, traveling, shopping. Great. So, hey, your wife's about to get what she deserves uh, from you and give it to me and I'll spend it all. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, no matter how, whatever the amount of money is coming in, she always finds a way to spend more than that. Uh, amongst her partying, she met a movie maker from the Pinewood Studios. She was starstruck when she found out she was in the biz. He was in the biz. And she loved the cinema. They talked about his latest, uh, latest script idea and how there was trouble uh, with raising funds for the film. So Ethel said, look, I'd love to be involved. I'll help you out. I'll raise the money. 
To raise the money, they sold one of her father's properties at a bargain price. But instead of passing the money on to the movie maker, as soon as the money hit their account, Ethel started spending it on other things. She was living it up and spending it up, but despite now being loaded, she was still spending more than she could afford. The movie producer returned to the aisle and was drunk at a dinner party a month or so later, and he was upset that Ethel never came through with the movie money, and he told everyone in their social circle that he doubted Mrs. Livesey could lie straight in bed, saying he thought she was suffering from delusions of grandeur. She suffers the same malady as Adolf Hitler, he declared. Oh. I mean, I don't like this woman. But are we going straight to Hitler comparisons? It's a bit of a... That's a stretch. It's a bit of a leap there. He's killing a lot of people. Maybe, I don't know, Dave, is this before Hitler was that bad? What time? We're in World War II, goddammit! No, I think he was already that bad. Mm. He, He was saying, Adolf Hitler, you know... The student artist? <laughs> yeah. Have you seen his watercolours? They're fucking horrific. <laughs> and she's worse than that. She's worse than that. Her watercolours are all right. I've, I've muddled my metaphor a bit oh, here. Oh, whatever. I'm she's a liar. I'm quite drunk. She's a liar and she's I'm drunk. She's a liar. For new listeners, when I said to ask Dave if this was no, before no, no. it was that, that bad. Was, that was you saying um, that. I was, uh, I was referencing when Dave gonna suggested that Matt's microphone here. Yeah. years ago. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, for quite a while after that, we called him a Nazi. And, Not sure uh, why you have to bring this up again. <laughs> I request yeah, this we've to been be, going for two hours yeah, and 20 We don't minutes. have time for this. So I request this be struck for the record. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, yeah, so he's drunk, this guy. This movie movie producer who we don't even know his name. He's going around going, Did he she's get, no good. She can't lie straight in bed. Is he going back to the Isle of Man just to besmirch her name? I think he was already kind of in that scene. But, <laughs> yeah, at a dinner party, things got out of hand and he... He got a little loose-lipped. I don't get she can't lie straight in bed. Yeah. I don't get that. Yeah. What does it that means, mean? It means she can't tell the truth, but... Can't lie straight yeah, in bed. Does it, she can't... She, yeah, wouldn't it be she can't... She can lie... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's too late. I don't get it. It's too late for these questions. It's after midnight, Jess. Did you realise that? Yeah, I realise. <laughs> Hey, we're on the home stretch. Don't worry. We're coming home strong here. Um, How many more lives could she possibly ruin? Oh, she'll find a way. Dave, can you... Can She's you, ruined mine. Can you explain the can't last strain bed? Is that the saying? It is, it is a saying. I've, I've I've never questioned it before. Me either. I've understood what they, they're trying to get across. Well, but I just then, don't get it. But when you talk about them lying straight in bed... They can't lie straight in bed. Are you supposed to just lie, like, completely straight in bed? I think just, yeah, <laughs> talking straight... But they're saying, but the lie part yeah. is what confuses it. Yeah. Is it lying down or is it lying like not telling the truth? Whew, some sort of paradox of a saying. Yeah, she can't truth straight in bed. <laughs> that doesn't make sense either. I look forward to the tweets explaining this. Um, I don't. I, genu- I, I, I genuinely do. I won't I genuinely know what do. you're talking about, though. We are recording this ahead of time. I will have no idea, but I'll enjoy it. I'll, I'll, Start it yeah. with, by the way, if yeah. you want to know, Provide- the phrase... You know what? Don't tweet, tweet me because I'll probably I'll Google it just after we finish. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Ethel stormed out. She's been besmirched at this dinner party. She storms right out of there, leaving her sort of husband, Liversy, behind to make, her, make apologies for the both of them. Uh, the next day, 
the producer offered an unreserved apology after she threatened to sue for libel by her lawyer. Ethel was ready to flee again. Getting ready to leave, she came across her dad and told him she was leaving to see her boys back in Australia, who were studying, of course, at John Grammar. Oh my God, her dad's just like, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. Uh, though in truth, she had no idea where they were. On top of having Livesey's fortune in her name, in preparing to leave, she also cleaned out most of her father's money to take with her. Oh, you piece of shit. Leaving just enough to cover his nursing costs. Don't look at me like that makes it better. Makes it slightly better. She's awful. He's done nothing but be yeah, I know. way it's too kind to her. And she's just been a complete piece of shit. Real Burke. And he, you know what? He's been a bit blinded by, you know, a father's love. But I hope if I'm ever a father that I'll be able to see through that yeah. kid's bullshit. Yeah, well, listen to your wife or your partner because... Yeah. She seemed to be on right. it right the from the start. The mum was like, this is, yeah. this is crap. She's like, this is bullshit. I'm not taking a she word. She was calling it out right from yes. the start. Yes. Um, and that's why I guess she really, she didn't care when she died. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, so she she took most of her dad's cash as well as her sort of husband's stuff and money and properties and everything it were in her name. And she flew to London leaving Livesey with the last six months of creditors to contend with and no ability to pay them. So she'd, she'd been racking up bills and she took oh all the money God. that would have gone. Does something awful happen to her? Not you really, really you want something bit bad? Of a, you know, a bit of poetic justice at yeah, the end of this or something? Yeah, I don't want her to die of old age just in her sleep peacefully. I want yeah. her to get hit by a bus or something. <laughs> <laughs> One of those double-decker London ones. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Strange ways, here she comes. (laughs) In London, Ethel went to Australia's High Commission to apply for a visa. As part of the deal to not sue, the movie producer also agreed to pose as a solicitor to sponsor her application, as well as back her story that she needed to go to Australia on sympathetic grounds. The deal was, if he helped her get out of the country immediately, she would not sue. So she'd convinced him of this thing that surely, how how likely is it that she could sue him from drunkenly saying some things at a party? That seems pretty unlikely, but I also didn't think you could get your landlady <laughs> That's true. To, yeah. to get you to go to jail for lying to them. They fibbed to me. They fibbed to me. Now lock them up. <laughs> Ten years fibbed. hard labor. You are charged with fibbing. What are you in for? Fibbing. <laughs> <laughs> what are, are you in for? Murder. murder. Oh, okay. Triple murder. <laughs> You're on the, sa- on the same cell block. <laughs> oh, this doesn't feel entirely fair. <laughs> uh, Ethel then paid 10 grand in today's money for first class tickets to Australia, obviously using her father's slash partner's cash. Uh, when the ship docked in South Australia, Ethel tracked down the two sons she had left behind 12 years before. <gasps> it's a long time in between. She found Basil. How welcome- many cruskets had you left them? Oh, three boxes. <laughs> they were almost on the last crumb. Oh, just in time, Man, mum. you've made me crave cruskets. I haven't had cruskets yeah, in fucking cruskets years. Yeah, so long. Uh, so she found Basil, who welcomed her back into his life with oh, open arms. Basil. Basil, I love you, Basil. He was 19 and in search of a job at the time. And his mum's like, I got heaps of cash. I'm going to buy you a news agency to run. So she bought him a news agency okay, and he started. He just started running the news agency. Great. And is he now Kerry Packer? <laughs> yes. My husband. 
Frank, on the other hand, was harder to find. Uh, it later turned out he was living on the open road, working in the outback, taking jobs wherever he could. Ethel then moved to Sydney, where she worked her way into high society with tall tales from her past. She told stories with bits of truth in them, telling her new wealthy friends that her husband James Livesey died in the war, even though his name was Thomas and he was still alive. So it's such a weird, like, slight changes of stories. Yeah, so hard to keep track of. She told them she entertained the Duke of Windsor in uh, on her yacht on the French Riviera. The truth was she saw him briefly from a distance. <laughs> So there was little hints of truth. <laughs> I once had a postcard with his face on it. <laughs> I've read that name before. <laughs> That's it. Uh, so yeah, little little elements little, of truth little, in there. Little that that person existed, yeah. yeah. Right. But the best lies have elements of truth. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I saw him once. <laughs> On my yacht. <laughs> That's so funny. According to Nichols, Ethel's tales became even larger than life at each sub- subsequent event she attended. She was to host and be seen at dinner parties, garden parties, bridge nights and charity balls, where she happily made large donations to all of her friends' charities and repeated her fantastic stories of great wealth with flair. Ethel was in the society to which she felt sh- she truly belonged. She had money to burn and she was on a roll. And now we're getting back to where we began, the wedding event of the year. But to whom? Well, soon after arriving in Sydney, Ethel was introduced to a civil servant by the name of Rex Beach. <laughs> who was That's right. <laughs> Rex. Who was from a fairly well-off family back in England. What's, the, what's Rex short for? Rexonald. <laughs> Thank you. I've I don't always know. wondered. My childhood doctor was Rex. And... Uh, it's a, it's, it's a. F- Is it T, Rex? T Rex. <laughs> it's short for Tyrannosaurus. Yeah. Apparently, according to AlexaAnswers.Amazon.com, okay. Reginald Rexford and Regis. Reginald Rexford does make a bit yeah, more that sense, makes doesn't more it? Sense. Regis. Regis gets called. Reginald Rex. makes more sense initially than like Jack to John or something. Totally, yeah. Even though I watched a TikTok recently explaining that. Oh, yeah. It's this long convoluted story that it, yeah, they, they would set... Yeah, anyway, whatever. There's okay, a reason there why go. Jack is John. Um, <laughs> would you believe it? There's a reason for we'll it. We'll do a report on it one day. Uh, so, they... Uh, Rex, Beach and Ethel was a bit of love at first sight. Oh, you don't Ma- say. Maybe at least for Rex. Finally her soulmate. Yeah, finally. She can settle down. Very How su- old is she now? 86? <laughs> no, what, what is it? It's, like, it's 45. So okay, what's that? But oh, her passport says she's 17. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, you are horrific. <laughs> what? Have you got a, some sort of condition? Oh my God, why are you aging so fast? <laughs> are you Benjamin Button? <laughs> are you fucked in the face? <laughs> you got a face like a dropped pie. <laughs> That's gone mouldy. Oh my god. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's mouldy no pie they don't eat with it. blue cheese. No. <laughs> mouldy blue. Just mould. No. Oh. Uh, so very soon after meeting, they're engaged, and with all her cash, Ethel wanted to make a big splash with an extravagant wedding. Her wedding ring was being especially designed and contained another thirty-two diamonds. 
She also had an extravagant wedding dress made by Edward Molyneux, designer to the stars and creator of royal wedding gowns, and was having it flown in from his studio in Paris. Uh, Flowers were being specifically grown in a hot house outside of Sydney for a bridal bouquet, as well as bouquets for her four bridesmaids. They were... How does she have bridesmaids? I I said the wrong word. I said specifically, specially. Especially grown. Yeah, but that's still ridiculous. They were also specifically grown for her, I guess. I think both true. They're just also special. Yeah, Yeah. I wasn't pulling you up on that at all. I think it was still technically okay. What I was baffled by wasn't specially or specifically the flowers. It was that she had four bridesmaids. Yes. How does she have any friends? They're all from this group that she's just met in Sydney. Oh, my God. Including her assistant. I believe. And does that not ring any bells for people? Yeah, that people you're like, no, oh. you didn't. Oh, well, everyone everyone close to me died in the war, I guess, or they're so far away. Fuck, I want to start a new life here. to be able to blame the war for everything. <laughs> oh. She's now got two wars to blame. Yeah. God, that oh, must have lucky. been nice. How lucky to have lived through two world wars. I've got nothing to blame for the fact that I don't have any friends. Oh, come on. What? This is a pandemic. True. Man. I lived through that. Nice. No bridesmaids. <laughs> she organised doves to be released as the bride and groom emerged, and the wedding service itself would feature a full choral choir. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Choral? Choral. Choral. Full choral ceremony with Australian soprano Miss Jean Hatton and world-renowned Australian flautist Neville Amadio performing. How amazing. She's uh, previously claimed to be both of those people. <laughs> now they're performing at her wedding. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, she had misplaced her flute, <laughs> yeah. so could not play. Sorry. The Australia Hotel was booked for the reception with an unlimited supply of the best French champagne and enormous four-tiered wedding cake topped with another elaborate floral r- arrangement was to be the centrepiece of an extravagant buffet. I mean, this is not only her biggest wedding, but probably her like first one, even though this is brought husband number 10 or something where there's any kind of ceremony or a party, right? Like the, the I others, think she, um, she had one, I think, that was pretty big in a church. Oh, she, maybe a couple. Yeah, and okay. one of those she left straight after as well. Isn't that wild? <laughs> Do you think, it, yeah, the ones that she's fleeing from straight away. But one of them was in a church and stuff and she fled. Oh, my God. Another one, I think the uh, giblets, I think, might have been in a church. Right. So. And actually, yeah, maybe a few of them. But this is the this one she's going all out. This unlimited is huge, cash. yeah. This one, she's playing the rich person. Yeah. Where normally she's sort of... No, maybe she's she's normally some sort of an equal partner. She's always saying she's a bit rich and she's yep. marrying a richest, rich person as well. Um, so, yeah. So, it was all stuff that, like, hadn't been... Since, since the war, you know, everything was, you know, rations and all this sort of stuff. So, it was a real big deal Do you coming out of the war. Her son seeing this being like, you bought me a news agent. <laughs> I mean, couldn't you have bought me, like, an yeah. oil company or something? You are so rich. So rich. Uh, the tabloids got uh, a whiff of the wedding, which was being touted as the society wedding of the year. And uh, b- just before the wedding, t- the week before, Ethel was interviewed by the Daily Mirror. Uh, Ethel proudly showed off an engagement present she received from her friend, Dr. Cunningham, a puppy she named Tingaling. <laughs> When the reporter suggested it was an unusual gift, Ethel disagreed, saying, Not at all. He knew I used to own this wonderful breed back in England before the war. I was once offered 3,000 guineas for my best stud dog, but he refused, of course. 
Oh, but I refused, of course. <laughs> the dog said, that's not enough for me. <laughs> no, thank you. 3,000 guineas. Add a zero and we might be able to talk. Yeah, woof, woof. I tried to figure out what 3,000 guineas was, but I think it's like a fuckload of money. Yeah, yeah. right. But I couldn't really cook. But she's just talking absolute shit there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's just a riff. She know? just <laughs> does not care yeah. at all. Uh, she again told her imaginary backstory with a few details tweaked here and there. She was then asked about her fiancé and even added a fib to his story, saying he was at the Anzac landing, which he wasn't. He read that in the paper was like, why'd you say that? It's weird. She's like, oh, sorry, I got confused. I thought you were. Sorry, one of my husbands was. I thought you read that famous thing. I don't know you that well. Yeah, we met three weeks ago. Yeah. I just fill in the details with things that I like. Your favourite colour is brown. <laughs> brown? <laughs> Of all of them. I like brown. No one likes brown. Thing of browns, chocolate, it's coffee, it's mm. dirt. No. It's all the three, the big ones. The it's, big three. It's shit. Mm, the big four. Is that what it calls me to be? Yeah. I right. wouldn't know. Gentlemen never shits, but I'm surprised I've never seen one. Mm. The only ones I've ever seen are those white dog ones. Yeah. That sort of crumble when you pick them up. That's right. Stop picking them up. <laughs> you thought all poo was white and crumbly. <laughs> Why are you Another picking Another one going through the fingers. <laughs> Never get one back to the lab. <laughs> I don't know what experiments I'm doing, but... <laughs> it's getting so late. It's so fucking late. We haven't done this for a while. Yeah, we know what we've been recording during the days, haven't we? And this is the longest report I've ever written. But we are coming to the end of it. What? How long into we are, are we, Dave? Two and Over a half. two and a half. Crocky. Mm. It's a great story, though. Holy shit. I'm loving it. Well, yeah. How's it going to end? I'm having such a good time. I'm, I'm thinking, just tired uh, and need to pee. I'm thinking a bus into the chapel, hitting her on <laughs> at the front, maybe. I think, I think all of her husbands appear <laughs> and they all get a bat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a po- yeah, it's Poirot style. That famous one, won't say which one, where everyone yeah. gets a shot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, leading up to the event a few days before, a social card playing uh, night was held, uh, hosted by lawyer and ex-politician Mac McDonald. Ethel was dominating the games, winning hand after hand. Mac noticed that she was going to a handbag each round. Uh, so what do you call it? It's not a round, is it? Each, each hand. hand. Yeah. Each hand she was going into a handbag. Each hand handbag. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, he couldn't be 100% sure, but he had a funny feeling she was cheating. In fact, she, he was quite sure she was cheating, but he thought to himself... Why would a woman of her standing sink so low? It didn't make any sense. Anyway, a few days later, it's time for the big day. Or as we already know, the big wedding day that wasn't. While Liversy and her bridesmaids were readying themselves for the event, there was a knock at the door. It was Mac McDonald and groom-to-be Rex Beach. Mac McDonald. Mac McDonald. And Rex Beach. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> so It's like, has she made up the other people's yeah, names in her ridiculous. life as well? Your name is now Rex Beach. <laughs> nice to meet you, Rex Beach. <laughs> Mac was so sus on Ethel's card playing that he investigated her history. Rex, Mac, and Ethel went into another room and Mac listed everything he found out. All the marriages, the bigamy, the outstanding fraud charges, all the inconsistencies between her stories and what he'd found out. Jeez, what, a, what a journalist, what an investigator. Yeah, so he, because he, he was a lawyer, he went on to, uh, he was in politics later. Um, so he had connections, I guess. Database, just got on the World Wide Web. Yeah, and this is all oh, within. Oh, the Internet Movie Database. Oh, yeah, just fantastic. gave her a Google. 
And this is all within a few days. So, we wow. figured it out pretty quickly. That's the kind of friend you need because that's going to save Rex a lot of embarrassment. Yes. And cash. And cash. Um, Ethel pleaded with Rex to let her explain, but the wedding was off. Max is like, Max like, I'm yeah. telling you. Don't do it. Don't do this. We got to bail. Um, on the Monday morning, so you gave her a couple of days, Mac went to the police to let them know what he'd found out. Later that morning, two police officers arrived at Ethel's apartment, but they found only her personal assistant, Joyce Dick, who had been working <laughs> for Ethel since she moved to Sydney earlier that year. Joyce Dick. That's fine. Joyce Dick. Joyce Dick. Joyce Dick. Joyce Dick. Yeah. The police asked Dick, the police asked Joyce Dick, <laughs> what she knew about Ethel, and Dick replied that she knew a lot less than she thought. Well, then, <laughs> I lost control of my mouth then. She, <laughs> she knew a lot less than she thought. Everything she thought she knew was a lie. She'd been fooled as well. In the end, I guess she, she knew Dick. Uh, Ethel had vanished. They discovered she'd been driven to a train station south of Sydney. Oh, she probably fucking married someone at <laughs> the train station. Was she tied to the tracks? <laughs> <laughs> that would be all right. I'd be happy with that. She's telling her driver that she was going to Melbourne. Sydney police continued to search for her. An arrest warrant arrived from South Australia for Mrs. Florence Elizabeth Ethel Liversey, alias Gardner, alias Anderson, alias Stevens, alias Lockwood, alias Pamela and Pil- Pilkington, alias Gloria Gr- Gray. And Dyson. They <laughs> <laughs> went, that's so stupid, we'll leave it off. <laughs> leave that one off, that's embarrassing. The warrant was for the 12-year-old charge of fraud. So one of the ones she bailed, she, she bailed on right. at the court. Mr. Uh, Mr. Livesey back in England had also sent his attorney out to Australia to try and get his money back. Police followed up reports of sightings of Ethel in Tasmania, Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane. There were many tip-offs. Some of them were pretty unlikely, like being seen walking down a busy Sydney street in broad daylight. Apparently, because it was a, a big news in the in the papers as well. So, like, obviously she's not walking down main streets. But there were was a better lead uh, in Brisbane based on her buying a train ticket from Brisbane to North Queensland. But when the police arrived at the station, she wasn't on the train. It seems like she'd bought a ticket as a decoy. Oh, wow. Journalists in Australia and the UK were interviewing all sorts of related people as the story was blowing up. Someone from London's Daily Mail tracked down Ethel's dad on the Isle of Man, explaining to him the story. Oh, no. I no. feel so bad for him. Oh, no. Heartbroken with what he learned, he replied... Before she left, she told me she was returning shortly. He then stared out the window and didn't comment further. Oh, <laughs> My heart is broken. That is awful. What a sweet man. He was just like, oh, good. She's going to go get my grandchildren. I'll finally meet them. And now he's finding out, oh, oh. she's been married a lot and I don't, we don't know anything about any children. She's yeah. never with any children. Oh, that's awful. Two weeks after her disappearance, the police received an anomaly. Anom- <laughs> Two weeks after her disappearance, the police received an anonymous tip off after appealing to the public via the press. The tip suggested that she was hiding out in a boarding house in Chester Hill, 15 miles west of Sydney. Having followed up many dead ends, the police were shocked to find Ethel at the boarding house. After taking some time to dress up, uh, she went with the police without a fuss. According to Nichols, when the police officer was about to let her know why she was being arrested, Ethel replied, I know, detective. It's been in all the papers. <laughs> God, she sucks. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. I feel like she's going to get away with it. It turns out after she had the driver take her to the train station, 
uh, south of Sydney, telling him she was heading for Melbourne, she actually caught a train straight back to Sydney. And the sighting of her in downtown Sydney was a genuine sighting. She was in town sorting out some lawyers for an in- inevitable court case. As it turned out, it was Ethel who had anonymously rang the police with her location, as Nichols wrote. Sick of being on the run, she wanted to clear the air, tell her side of the story, get her life back. Her lawyers had assured her that if she faced up to the charges, she'd more than likely get off the minor fraud charge, and she was now ready. That's a good twist. Yeah. Leading up to the trial, Ethel's lawyer organised her an interview with the Truth newspaper in which she said, The only person I've ever heard is myself. No. That is because, woman-like, I've been too trusting and generous. Oh, my God. (laughs) Whoa. The only person I've hurt is myself. My biggest crime is caring too much. (laughs) (laughs) I love too much Mm. and too easily. Guilty as charged. I guess I just have bad taste in men. (laughs) Um, And and my children are men and they're bad. (laughs) And fuck you, Billy. Fuck you, Billy. You dog, you started all this. I love you, Billy. The trial was massive news. Crowds gathered outside every day and opinion was divided as to Ethel's innocence. It was in all the papers, but it was just like, it was, it was an, it was a, uh, what do you, it's something like, it's a big, real big thing. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Ah. Couldn't have said it better myself. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was, uh, what do you call it when a news story goes real big? It's big. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, at the end of the trial, I'm I'm starting. I got to this point, and in the where in the book, there's still like like I say, read the book because I'm only telling a sliver of it. Um, I didn't the second which half, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> because we're at nearly three hours. Uh, anyway, this so is a sliver. I'm uh, I'm going through some parts briefly here. Um, at the end of the trial, the jury found Ethel guilty on both counts of fraud. And despite the judge not really being sure what to make of Ethel, he ended up not giving her any jail time. Instead, just a £300 bond. It seems a lot of the rest of her life, Ethel spent in courtrooms. She sued multiple parties, including her lawyers and even her ex-fiancé, Rex Beach. Why? Because he... he, he He's just he, another Billy. He was go- I think it was because he, he didn't go through the, the wedding, maybe. Um, and she was left with some of the costs. How her life ended seems to have been hit by a bus. No, <laughs> sorry. No, I've misread that. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's some sort of a mystery. No, uh, oh, choose your own death. Oh, yeah, fun. that's true, actually. Yeah, then we can choose. In the 1980s, her son, Frank, uh, who he didn't... Have, Frank he, the second. Frank the second, who didn't really rate his mum. Basil was pretty open to her come frank has never really forgave her for how he was treated that's fair um but he was looking for his birth certificate and thought he he, if he tracked down his mum, she might have it he's like she'd be very old now but if i find her um maybe she'll still have it but according to nichols a death notice appeared in the south australian advertiser stating that mrs florence ethel livesey had passed away in the small country town of clare south australia in march 1953 so that was that. Ethel was gone at the age of 55. Or was she? <gasps> After ordering the death certificate, it showed the death of an 87-year-old woman who had died from gangrene in her left leg. You're like, that doesn't seem right. Uh, strangely enough, 
There were newspaper reports about a woman looking uncannily like her 18 months after she'd been released from Adelaide Jail. She was being sought for three counts of false pretenses in Western Australia. This large middle-aged woman had a nice little scheme happening where she'd say she was going to buy a house, then get the keys from the owner or a state agent without even paying a deposit, then show the house to young couples, offering it at a greatly reduced price, and would then pocket their cash deposits before disappearing. Could this have been Ethel? Sounds like it, it's, it's possible, yeah. but we'll probably never know for sure. It's, it's unknown. That, that death certificate, did, the age really didn't add up at all, unless she changed it uh, from minus nine to plus 30. Yeah. 30. Um, of all the victims she left in her wake, some recovered better than others, and some have their fates unknown. Um, there was a, yeah, a bunch of her ex-husbands and stuff where Nichols wasn't quite able to track down. Um, some of the ones she did track down, uh, Thomas Livesey bought back his two properties from Ethel's bankrupt estate for £150 and promptly disappeared off the radar, a, a darn sight poorer than when he first met the charming Mrs. Ethel Corradine. So he luckily got a couple of his properties back, and he mm. was, which means he was probably doing all right. She did; she was bankrupt, so she, she, um, that was another big court case, and she owed a lot of people money, but was bankrupt, which was very embarrassing. Oh, it is embarrassing. You can't travel first class and you're bankrupt. That's right. Uh, Ethel's son Basil continued to run his news agency until he retired. That's the coolest thing in the in the whole story. Yeah, it's the only thing she bought that actually lasted. Yeah, yeah, great. The only thing she did for anybody else. Mm. Uh, and his brother Frank George Anderson was married with five children. Get this, all named Frank. <laughs> married, married with five children when he met the love of his life, June Bolan. She was a widow with four small children of her own. They raised the nine children together, determined not to let their combined brood be torn asunder, and together had another five children. No. <sighs> I don't know if there's any questions that come off the back of that 14-child family. Or I guess my only question is, do they know what's causing <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> fantastic question. But he was already married yeah, and then so met get, someone else. Yeah, it was, it was like uh, the apple doesn't fall far from yeah. the tree sort of stuff. There. 14 children. That's and and is one of them the grandchild of the book? Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, finally, the la- like, so yeah, there was a, a most of the ex-husbands were left way worse off. Obviously, yeah. uh, many of them never recovered any of their money that she stole. Uh, but lastly, maybe most importantly for uh, the dog lovers out there, Tingling the dog led out his days in the care of May and Mac McDonald. Lived a happy life That's and full good. life. God tingling. bless you, tingling. <laughs> tingling. Do they rename the dog? Uh, oh, surely. Because they hate it. Like all those people, they really couldn't couldn't stand her after after the That's fair. hubbub. Yep. Um, and that really hurt her. She's like, what, are you dropping me just like that? Yes. And her downfall was cheating at the card game. That's right. Which she'd learnt all those years earlier yeah. when she was working in the pleasure casino or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was called. The secret casino. Um, To finish up, here's a little summary written by Nichols. At the height of her career, if you could call it that, Mrs. Livesey was a household name. She had over 40 aliases, eight official marriages, five divorces, four children to different men, and had travelled throughout the continent to America, Asia, and the Pacific in the best style possible, had numerous arrests and court appearances, and was imprisoned several times. 
Florence Elizabeth Ethel Swindles was an actress, an artist, a stowaway, a spy, a gambler, an air raid warden, a nurse, an heiress, and above all, a notorious con woman. She could never stay still. She loved a good story. She sought fame and fortune, flaunted the law, deceived and had little regard for others, was impulsive and never seemed to plan ahead. Ethel was one amazing woman. (laughs) The end. I don't know. I really like Nichols. I like her writing. um, But I don't know if she knows what the word amazing (laughs) means. I mean, she does amaze. Yes. Yeah, just maybe just not in a positive sense. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think it was all... Maybe there's part of it is she's writing... Basically writing the biography of her friend's grandmother. Yeah. So there's like... She's looking for a little positive Mm. spin, but it feels hard to find a... (laughs) And in summary, your grandmother was a piece of shit. Real piece of shit. And I'm disappointed I couldn't find information about her death because I was hoping it had been violent. Mm. Um, An incredible story. I'm not rooting for her at all, but... What a wild story. That wild was fun. Story. That was a fun story. That was a great story, Matt. Well, I um, I appreciate it. I'm just the vessel. Yeah, that's I'm right. I'm just the messenger of here. Of course, of course. I've, they I, say don't shoot the messenger, but we can thank the messenger. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> don't shiv the messenger. <laughs> I, was, I was nervous early on. I'm like, because I... I'd, I read Shaved me once Shame <laughs> on you <laughs> I, so I skimmed the Can't story And I'm like I can't I, There's no It didn't feel like There was anything big But it was just the The sheer amount yeah. Of things And her just Repeating the same Yeah It's just It was a, a wild story Yeah Yeah And it's a, it's one of those Australian stories Like it, I mean Australian slash English story That for some reason, I'd never heard anything no. about it. And it sounds like like it was lost to history a bit. Yeah, that's right. Until Nichols wrote the book. But that also at the time, she's on the front page of all those that's newspapers. That's right. So she's been able to go back through these interviews and, yeah. and uh, other historical um, documents. But, but it's so amazing that a story can be so big. And at the time, people are probably like, this is the wedding of the year. Yeah. Mm. The fraud of the year. And then, you know, 50 years later, everyone's like, who? Yeah. yeah. What? I know. Well, that brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show, where Jess has left the building. <laughs> Everyone was counting down mm-hmm. to her exit. Uh, no, we, we have lost Jess. We're recording this uh, a few days later. Because um, it was, what, 1am or yeah, 1.30 when we stopped pre- recording? Pretty late, and you had work in the morning. <laughs> yeah. so, um, I was very productive that next day. <laughs> I bet you were, yeah. So, um, yeah, we're doing this without uh, Bop. Um, so you're going to have to fill some of her roles today. Yeah, Dave. fuck you. <laughs> uh, but also, I'm sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Thanks. Uh, so, um, this section of the show uh, goes for about 30 to 40 minutes every week. I thought it was 20 to 30. You're blowing out there. No, no, it's always been 30 to 40. You sure? Yeah, I reckon. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's normally around 30, but sometimes it <laughs> nudges up to 40. But right, well, someone will get the graph going and we'll get an average. Yeah. Get a mean, get a median. There's a few people who, who get hurt by it, <laughs> by the length of it sometimes. But, you know, this isn't for them, even though it kind of is because some of them are Patreon supporters. But <laughs> uh, this is uh, the section where we thank our great supporters uh, who support us at patreon.com slash dogonpod or dogonpod.com. And uh, once you're on there, Dave, all sorts of rewards you can get. So we're putting out three bonus episodes a month. At the moment, you also get access to the uh, back catalogue, which includes heaps of uh, mini reports on some uh, pretty wild topics, as well as we put out our Brendan Fraser-themed podcast, Phrasing the Bar, our Dungeons & Dragons, Do Go D&D, get the whole campaign there. Lots of stuff to listen to. 
as well as access to the Facebook group, which is very, very nice. Uh, pre-sale tickets. You get to vote for topics and just uh, feel good about supporting the show. You get to feel good, hey? Hey? What, what more reward exactly. could you want? Uh, and the first of the rewards that we get into is the fact, quote, or question section, which I think has a jingle that goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Ding. Ah, he always remembers the ding. And in this one... Uh, the people on the Sydney Scheinberg level or above get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question, or a fact or a suggestion. I said fact twice then. Yeah, well, we brag. love we love facts. Uh, you can give us. You can be whatever you like, really. Um, and you also get to give yourself a title. And we read four out each week. I don't read them until I read them. Mm-hmm. And this week, the first one comes from Pete Holburton. Uh, Dave, who I believe you bumped into. Am I remembering that? Yes, right? Pete. How are you on the streets of South Yarra? I bumped into Pete whilst he was. Headphones in and he goes, I'm listening to you right now. <laughs> Listen to an episode. So that was quite amazing. And uh, Pete's title is NASA fanboy in charge of deliberately misunderstanding the requirements. Am I saying that right? NASA or is it NASA? <laughs> I think we enjoy saying NASA. Uh, so Pete has given us a fact writing. Hi, Matt, Jess and Dave. Here's my fact, quote, question, brag, and suggestion. Holy moly. Okay, that, that's the requirements that he's missed out on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, fact, Buzz Aldrin's mother's maiden name was Moon. Quote, the third man on the moon, Pete Conrad, was only five foot six, uh, 168 centimetres tall. Referencing Neil Armstrong's That's One Small Step, his first words on the moon were, whoopee, man, that may have been a small step for Neil, but that's a long one for me. <laughs> That's very funny, if true. Uh, he chose the words to win a bet, but the loser of the bet never paid up. Wow. Is that, have you heard of that before? I've never heard that. That feels like something that we should know. That's I guess now we do. Amazing thing. Because you, you'd be going through your mind, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? Yeah. Neil said these iconic words a year or two earlier, and you're like, all right, I've got to match up to that. Oh, whoopee. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, brag, I've met 12 of the 24 astronauts who have flown to the moon, including six of the 12 who landed. Wow. What? How? How, Pete? Tell us. How? Did you, are you going around to their houses? What's going on? What's are you stalking m- these people, Pete? 12 of the 24 that have been there and six of the 12 that have landed. Wow. Or stood. Maybe goes to a lot of those uh, space con events. Nice. Do they have them, like the comic book ones? Yes, you know, Space Con, all the famous people are there. Yeah, <laughs> signing <laughs> signing your uh, collector cards. Signing your piece of the moon, <laughs> moon rock. Uh, suggestion, Apollo 13 would be an excellent report topic. Because we've done Apollo, sorry, Apollo 13 would be an excellent report topic. We mm. did Apollo 11. That's right. I've actually put it up for the vote before. I've seen the movie. Really? Tom Hanks was involved. Yeah, I remember, I remember seeing it on the movie, on the, on the television in the 90s. I went to the... I saw that for my... It was my birthday. Whatever year that was. For the 117th birthday or something. <laughs> what a celebration. Uh, did you go with, like with friends or something? Or did you go yeah, with Yeah, I remember I went with a couple of friends. Um, Is there a scene where they're pissing out into space? That's maybe the only thing I can remember from the movie. I don't recall that. I don't... Yeah, I don't remember much about it. I wonder what year it came out. Uh, what do we call it? Apollo 13. It's a Ron Howard movie, right? 1995. Wow. Yes. Good so, cast. 
So I was uh, repeating primary school for the 15th, 16th <laughs> time. Um, and uh, question, is this taking the piss? I'll answer my own question. Yes, yes it is. I promise <laughs> I won't do it again. Love the pod. Thanks for all the laughs. I think it's totally fine to have a fat quota question and question if it's on the same topic. On the same topic and they're all brief. And, and, they're, and they're all good. Yeah, I that's must say, true. Pete, they were all impressive ones. But um, you're right. Don't don't do that again. <laughs> the problem is he starts a precedent, and then all of a sudden this thing blows out beyond the the forty minute. Oh my god! And I people promised. are suddenly being like, "Ah, actually, screenshotting time codes and sending <laughs> yeah. them to you." That's right. Um, thank you, Pete. Loved it. Uh, next one comes from Shannon Burns, uh, who's the official provider of passive aggressive customer service. <laughs> Uh, and they're asking a question, which is, what is the weirdest coincidence that happened to you? They've answered the question. Thank goodness. Because I need yeah, time. It's, it's the kind of one that you need a bit of notice on. And I should, I feel like I should check the questions first and give them to you and Jess ahead of time. Yeah, because I don't like disappointing people by the biggest coincidence. Yeah. Some, some of them you just have an answer that comes straight to mind. Sometimes, like this is specific... It, I'll I'll read out Shannon's okay, and then um, then see if that jogs your memory at all. Uh, maybe it involves me, and that could also be mine. That's true. Uh, Shannon writes: I was listening to your Super Bowl episode. Well, you just talked about a great coincidence with Pete. That's right. I'm listening to you right now, and that's the second time that that's happened on that street in South Yarra. Wow, same place. That's a wild coincidence. Someone it was with the Coca Cola episode last. I remember someone said, "I'm listening to you while drinking a Coca Cola." Yeah. No, uh, I was drinking a Pepsi and that was... <laughs> was that irony? I don't know. Um, I was drinking new Coke. <laughs> uh, I was listening to your Super Bowl episode while walking and playing Pokemon Go. You mentioned that during one halftime show, the acts included a frisbee catching dog named Ashley Whippet. I was walking past a Pokemon Go gym at that moment and decided to check which players had Pokemon. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> That's think, the end of it. Oh, okay. I thought there was going to be something else. So, yeah, it feels like it's missing a part of it. I don't know if that got cut off or something, or am I just not understanding this? Because the, there's no full stop at the end. From the top, from the top. I mean, what were they doing with the frisbee? They're listening to the episode. So, listen to the Super Bowl episode while walking and playing Pokemon Go. The weirdest thing in this is that there's a Pokemon Go gym. Yeah, I think they must be designated zones or something. Oh, okay. I thought it was like a gym where <laughs> Pokemon people, like, you know, like you the barbells out. had Pikachu drawn <laughs> on them and stuff. No, because in the game and the TV show, the whole thing, there's these different gyms that you go into and to get a badge, which to become a Pokemon master, you need all the badges. You have to uh, challenge the leader of that gym. Oh, right. So it's like scouts. Yeah. Dib, dib, dob. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> I haven't deja vu about that. Did, that's, did we talk about that recently? And we none of us, there were no scouts in the area to confirm or deny that dib dib dob is a thing. In the area? What do you mean? In the in the vicinity that we could ask. That wasn't you? No worries. <laughs> Different podcasts, probably. I only talk to people on podcasts. But do you do podcasts in, in areas surrounded by people often? Or was it a live show, you think? Maybe. It was, I thought it was a live show. Right. Yeah. Anyway, um, so. 
Shannon writes, you mentioned that during one halftime show, the acts included a frisbee catching dog named named Ashley Whippet. I was walking past the Pokemon Go gym at that moment, decided to check which players had Pokemon. Yeah, that's, that's got to be cut off. I'm imagining someone in the Pokemon gym had a character called Ashley Whippet. Yes. Or they were f- flipping around a frisbee in the gym or something. Yeah. But maybe you, you could come back to us with that. That's part one. If you get back to us before I record the next one, I will uh, come back with the stunning conclusion. Yeah, that's right. To, to be continued. Uh, next one comes from Susie Costa from Sacramento in California. Uh, people don't normally do that, but you can, you can put next to your name where you're from if you want. I like that. I like that too. I can really now I can picture Susie Costa. Yeah. Sacramento, the capital, the city, capital city of California. Yes. Uh, Sacramento Kings is that a something yeah. that's a team in maybe maybe ice hockey yeah or an old basketball team anyway see that up for you Susie is the senior analyst of Nibbler and Cannoli uh, they still play in the NBA there you go they're two rescue dogs still play in the NBA oh man that's gonna be brutal if anyone's a Kings fan I watch the NBA and I don't even... <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> They're so irrelevant know. at the moment that I didn't even realize I was still a team. Um, I think they must be the fourth <laughs> one in California, right? Yeah. Four or four? Is there four? Fuck. You got the, got the Lakers. Got Clippers. Clippers. Golden State. The Warriors. And they're all pretty good. Yeah. Or, you know, have been in recent times. And then the Kings. The Kings, though, they have won a championship in 1951. Yeah, right. There you go. Uh, Anyway, Susie, sorry about uh, dissing your team, uh, but Susie's got a fact uh, writing, I have a brag and a fact, a bract. This is my first time writing in as an upgraded Patreon member. I like (laughs) think of it as upgraded. The Sydney Scheinberg upgraded Patreon level. (laughs) Um, uh Uh-oh. Susie writes, Matt Stewart, prepare for a compliment ride. (laughs) First, the fact. Matt Stewart's laugh is the same as my late fiancé's, also named Matt. He passed away five years ago from brain cancer at the age of 28. Oh, that's so sad. That sucks. I'm sorry, Susie. Yeah, sorry to hear that. For a few years, I couldn't remember what my my Matt's laugh sounded like and it broke my heart. The moment I realized that the similarity was incredible and made me cry. In those fun and rare moments where Mr. Matt Stewart gets a good laugh, it brings me back to the good days with my Matt. He always manages uh, managed to laugh even when facing such an awful cancer and he enjoyed pods too. I didn't discover your pod until after he passed, but I'm sure he would have loved all the sports episodes since he was the biggest sports nerd ever. Maddie Stew's laugh and regret face bring me so much joy and so does the show. Thank you for allowing me to remember my Matt during the show. Also, pretty wild that a Matt from Australia and a Matt from California have the same laughs. Yeah, wow. Um, Now my brag, after losing my Matt, I met a wonderful man named Morgan who accepted me as I am, grief and all. He and our aforementioned pups have allowed me to experience joy again. And we're getting married. Congratulations. Oh, congratulations. Our dogs will be there too. It's going to be a fabulous time. I'm also going to walk down the aisle too. I believe in a thing called love. 
Uh, you know, I did that for Jess because it's a great darkness song, of course. But uh, Susie, Dave and I are also darkness fans. Yes, so and we also believe in a thing called love. We, we believe in a little thing called That's love. That's right. Just listen to the rhythm of I would not be opposed to you hijacking my reception for a live podcast with a bunch of annoyed old people who don't know what podcasts are. If you're interested, let me know. Congrats on your wedding too, Dave. Oh, thank you. I Honestly, we chose to get married at a private residence just so we could have our dog Humphrey there. So <laughs> I totally get why you would want your pups there. Uh, and you might have heard uh, Humphrey bark in the background That's just right. moments ago. Just as the postie just arrived. Uh, keep up the great work. You three make Tuesdays my favorite day of the week. I hope to travel to Melbourne to see you live someday. Uh, long live Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Lots of love and sugar bowls, Susie. That's a very lovely <laughs> Susie, message. Yeah, congratulations. Um, and we're going to have to get you laughing more, Matt. <laughs> for Susie. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't think I like the idea that I'm a, I don't laugh that much. I feel like I laugh a bit silently. It's just yes, rare no. that I laugh audibly. I don't, I don't feel like you're not, a gener- not an ungenerous uh, podcast laugher to to pod with, but Jess and I do talk about how sometimes if you, we get you on a roll, it's both one of the hilar- most hilarious and joyous things you can see, but also it feels very satisfying because <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. See, there you go. You do lots of little chuckles, but when you do the, the big one, that is, <laughs> it's rare but worth the wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, I love the reference to Jeff the Talking Mongoose. I think I saw the uh, movies getting made about yes, it. Yes, and it has someone famous in it. I think. Um, but yeah, that was wow! What a what a what a what a message to receive, Susie. Um, really glad you're listening, and so uh, so stoked that you found Morgan and you, you're getting married with the dogs and everything's. Yeah, I mean, I I'd totally be up for heading over to Sacramento to get crash a wedding. But hell yeah, check out a Kings game over there. Yeah, yeah, our fourth. Favorite Californian team. I feel bad. I, th- I knew that. I'm sure I knew that. I'm coming I, off a sickness, all right? No, you said it because you know so much more about NBA than me. And I was thinking, oh, I thought they were a basketball but <laughs> yeah, Obviously, yeah. Matt would know. Oh, brutal. And the Jeff the Talking Mongoose, it's going to star Simon Pegg. Oh, wow. So be As Jeff. <laughs> Honestly, maybe. Um, and the final one this week comes from Julian Wren. Okay, the Patreon formerly known as Julian Barnes. Ah, oh, Barnesy, now Rennie. Love it. So, wh- what's the new name? Julian Wren. Julian Wren. Like oh. the bird. Love a Wren. Beautiful. That's a great name. I mean, Julian Barnes, also a good name, but Julian Wren. Yeah, I think um, Friend is a big fan of Blue Fairy Wrens, and they're just freaking beautiful little birds. I mean, they're no Irish magpie, but... <laughs> I mean, but what is? Yeah, they're up there. But what is? Um, anyway, Julian uh, has a brag, which is, Hey guys, my brag today is that I'm sitting in the hotel suite right before my wedding. Ooh. Oh, is that why the change of name? Uh, me and my future husband are chilling out, calming the nerves by listening to some choice moments from old Dugan episodes. Oh my God, Dave as Jeff the Talking Mongoose from the Fifth Dimension. Talk no. about coincidences. There it is. Isn't that weird? That is that amazing. That episode's years old. That's right. So, so it's a bonus Patreon episode for anyone who wants to hear it. And um, Yeah, it's got to be like four years old or I something. I reckon, yeah. That's that's a wild coincidence that two people mentioned back. I hadn't thought about that much 
in a long time. Um, and both wedding related as well. Yeah. The coincidences don't stop. Don't tell me Julian's from Sacramento. No. <laughs> um, Julian is a king. But I love, I love that Julian's writing this message from backstage at the wedding, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, backstage at a wedding. That's great. So, um, so at the time, chilling out, uh, listening to moments from Do Go On episodes, including Jeff the Talking Mongoose from The Fifth Dimensions and cries of release the slugs are a very calming presence on this very busy day. Obviously, marrying the man I love is very exciting, but what's equally exciting is I get to take his last name, which is a huge upgrade from my boring old one. Julian Wren is absolutely a name I feel would be admired by the podcast. Big, big fan. It Julian is. It Wren. sounds like an actor's name. Don't yeah, you think? Julian starring Wren. Julian Wren. Yes, and or I'll, even a, a director directed by Julian Wren. And if I'm being honest, Julian Barnes is already pretty good. That is a good name. Yeah, you started from a solid, you know, ground level. You were a Barnesy, and you've you know you've shot to, into the stars, yeah. into the a, stratosphere. You're a Renzi, the Renosphere. <laughs> it's a Renaissance. <laughs> um. I should probably wrap this up and go get married. As always, thanks for all the laughs that we got to share as a couple, including a couple of dates at live shows. And we look forward to listening to more as husband and husband. Oh, congratulations, Julian. Congratulations. That's so freaking cool. I love, it's wild to me that you're thinking of us on your wedding <laughs> yeah, day like yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. That's fair. It's like, that's just, I mean, same as Susie's message just sort of, yeah, it blows me away, those kind of messages. That we're part of people's lives like that. Sorry to get sincere. I felt yeah. gross straight away. No, but it, I, I, I totally agree with you. But it, it's, it's beautiful. And, you know, we believe in a thing called love here at Two Go On. So, um, I wonder where Julian's from. Been to a few live shows. So, possibly a local. Yeah. Or, or I mean, there's multiple cities we've done multiple shows, I guess. Yeah. Could be from London. Could be from Leeds, 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 Leeds. Uh, but thanks so much to Julian, Susie, Shannon and Pete. Loved all those messages. Really sorry, Shannon, that yours cut off, especially if that was my fault and I've somehow yeah, deleted okay. half of it at some point. But please get back to us with the rest of that coincidence. Um, and, yeah, the next thing we like to do is play a little game. Isn't that right, Dave? Just when we comes right. up with it. Maybe yeah, she you can is do very, it today. She's very good at coming up with it. So, And we usually based on the episode. This is a few days since we've recorded it now. It is, of course, about our imposter. Yeah, all those fake names. Yeah, that's... And <laughs> so maybe we can give everyone a an imposter name. Yep, great one. I think that's especially when we're missing our most creative brain in the room. I that's think it's right. good to keep it simple. We don't want to go too outside of the box. Here. Yeah, that's right. But I think this is, this could be this could be fun. So, so what so we're going to do is take their name and give them another name. Yes. <laughs> So, and what Ethel often did was use her real first name and just change the surname. So, you know, we could do anything here. Wow. All right. So, um, maybe I'll kick it off. We do nine each week. That doesn't split well two ways. Maybe I'll do the first five. Okay. All right. First up from Walton on Thames in Great Britain, or Thames, I should say. Walton on Thames in Great Britain. It's Kate Robson. Kate Robson. What about... Kate's changed their name to Crate 
Mick Hobson. Oh, yeah, that's good. So it's Hidden in plain sight. So close. So if Kate accidentally said the wrong name, they'd be like, so did you say Kate or Crate? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I'm Crate. Sorry, I'm Crate. And Kate's a nickname. Yeah, people call me Kate because obviously Crate's not really a name. Yeah. <laughs> My parents were... Uh, My parents were high. <laughs> yeah. My parents were off their fucking chops. <laughs> crate, Mick Hobson. Um, that's great. Uh, that's great, Kate, Crate. Um, next off, I'd love to thank... From Riga. Riga? It's Riga. That's the capital of Latvia. In Latvia. Alice Goldmane. Oh, fantastic name right off the bat. Oh, my goodness. It's hard to change that to to be any better. Yeah, it won't Alice be better. or Elise Goldmane. The other thing that Ethel would do would be using famous actors' names. Oh, okay. Yes, which, yes, yes. Uh, people she really admired. So, maybe Elise Goldmane could be... Um, uh, Rebel Wilson <laughs> Like the actor No No I don't Or no. they pretend I've never come across yeah, them Yeah I thought Rebel was Australian No Latvian Latvian yeah People make that mistake all the time Yeah yeah uh, You know Couldn't probably point out Latvia on a map <laughs> Or Australia I guess Good luck It's funny that I went My first instinct was Julia Roberts I'm like it's got to be a funnier name than that <laughs> And then my brain accessed Rebel Wilson <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, Alice Goldman, aka Rebel Wilson. Um, and I'd also love to thank from Somerville in, I reckon, Massachusetts. Wow. In the United States. MA or is it Maine? I mean, you've said it wrong, obviously. How do you say Massachusetts? Mas- Massachusetts. Thank you. Uh, I'd love to thank Adele Nitschus. Adele Nitschus. What about, uh, was it Adele and the Zeme? That's the way that uh, John Travolta mispronounced the Frozen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Adele and the Zeme. Great. Adele and the Zeme. Perfect. Uh, Adele. Oh, I'm Adele. Oh, man. It must be so fun to have the name Adele. That's great. Oh, I'm Adele. Beautiful name. Though, imagine the first what part of your life, there weren't that many famous Adeles. Yeah. So, yeah, do you think... Maybe it would have felt like someone was muscling in on your territory. Yeah, well, 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 I always thought that I'd be famous and that I'd be the I'm Adele. I'm the famous Adele. Like, I'm the Dave. Yeah. Just saying. Hmm. I guess you could shorten it to make it your own uh, or, or change it to the Dell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's Adele, but hmm. I'm the Dell. So. The Dell. I'm just looking up uh, Somerville, Massachusetts. You're absolutely right. Home to Tufts University. Oh, Tufts. Just enjoy that. Uh, I'd also love to thank from Toronto in Ontario, Canada, Haley Davison. Haley Davison. Haley Davison uh, went around um, in some when passing through Goulburn. Uh, oh yeah. Got done for taxi evasion under the name uh, Enrique Iglesias. <laughs> Just one of the great names. Enrique Inglacius. Yeah, Enrique Inglacius is now <laughs> Enrique in handcuffs. <laughs> wow. Enrique. Man, I love that name, Enrique Inglacius. Uh, I I've I'm sure I've talked about this before. Maybe I've just done it I've tweeted it out. There was one time in year seven I cannot explain my actions. Why you know, the window bit of a wallet? I had a like a Velcro wallet that you open up, the window bit where, you know, people would put a picture of their family or a dock or something. 
I had a picture that I'd cut out of a newspaper of Enrique Iglesias and Anna Kornikova. Oh, <laughs> I think you have told us about this. It's very funny. I just can't explain myself. <laughs> Why did I do that? Well, they were they were the it couple. They were a hot couple, and I'm, and people, is that your mum and dad? Yes, yes, yes. That's it my mum and dad. My granddad is Julio. <laughs> Julio Iglesias. Another great name. Freaking hell! Frickin that family's hell. overflowing. Oh my goodness. Anna Kornikova is the boring name of that family. <laughs> Come on, they still still together? I believe so. Anna and Enrique. Beautiful. You never hear about the success stories. No, that's love. right. Would only they'd only ever make the news again if they broke up. Uh, the final one from me from Lenexa in Kansas in the United States, Mandy Richter. I mean, how freaking great oh have all these names been? God. Mandy Richter. It's very close to Andy Richter. It is very close to Andy Richter. Okay. Is that Conan's sidekick? Yeah. Okay. Do you think it could be Andy Richter? Well, what about Mandy Richter to go under the. Uh, so close. What about Monan O'Brien? Oh, yeah. Mo- <laughs> Moaning O'Brien. <laughs> Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Moanin' O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Conan. No, no, no. Moanin'. Moanin'. Moanin' O'Brien. You've heard of Moanin' Myrtle? That feels like it could be like a jazz musician or something, do you think? Yeah. Old Moanin' O'Brien. Yeah. What was the Bleeding Gums Murphy? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Moanin' O'Brien. Fantastic work. Thanks, Mandy Richter. Would you like to thank a few of our great supporters? Hey, I'd love to give a shout out and thank you to... From Decatur, Indianapolis. Holy shit. Remember Decatur from anything? I think we said it wrong and we're probably saying it wrong there because I uh, got a lot of corrections on it. I'm like, oh, I'm never going to need to know these corrections. When am I going to say this place ever again? Do you remember what but I was the Super mentioned? Bowl episode, the Decatur Stan- Staley's was one. Maybe they won the first ever what became the NFL championship. Looks like it could be. Here we go. I'm listening to it. Decatur. 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 Yeah, I remember getting a few messages of people like, oh, it's actually pronounced. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I was, you know, I always want to pronounce things right. But um, usually I'll pay more attention if I'm like, oh, that's a common thing that will come up again. Like I eventually figured out how to say, I think, or Akron. <laughs> oh, fuck. Akren. Akren. No. Yeah, like Ren. Like and that's the how there was the bird. Someone <gasps> sent a, a, a picture showing it's pronounced like like the bird Ren. So, cat, uh, from Decatur, it's Cat Rogers. Cat Rogers from Decatur. Well, um, seeing as I believe their, their famous team was the Staley's, maybe, uh, what about Staley Knife? <laughs> Staley Knife. I love it. <laughs> Which is, yeah. It's, I don't know. Yeah, Staley. I, I can't remember why they were named Staley. It doesn't really matter. But when I think of Staley, I think of Stanley. And when I think of Stanley, I think of Knives. Looks like they start, They uh, it's now the Chicago Bears. Oh, right. I would have explained all this on the episode. Yeah, I know. But you I just retain, can't I retain 5%. 5% and you named every team. So <laughs> every original team. Uh, thank you so much to Staley Knife, a.k.a. Cat Rogers. I'd like to thank now from unknown location. Can only assume this week this person is deep within the fortress of the mole. Listen to this episode right now. It is Kathy Hine. Kathy Hine. Kathy Hine. Hine. Why well, when I think Hine, I think Hines. Okay. And when you think Hines, what do you think? Beans. Yeah. 
Beans Means Heinz, as the as the, the famous ad says. A good name would be Beans Means. Beans Means, yes. So what's your name? Beans Means. Beans Means. Any questions? <laughs> yeah. Challenging that, that? Is that your first and last name or your first yeah. name? No, first, first and last. First Beans. Beans, yeah. Surname Means. Yeah. With a Z. Yeah. Like Heinz. Like Heinz. <laughs> <laughs> My parents are big Beans fans. Yeah, that's why they love Beans. Go Beans. 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 <laughs> oh, thank you, Kathy Hein, aka okay. Beans Means. I'd like to thank now from Perth in Western Australia, it's Jordan Quinn. Jordan Quinn. What was that song, That old song? The Something Quinn. It's like the Magnificent Quinn or something. Oh, like very old? Like 60s. Okay, because that sounds like, you know, like... Like maybe a Bob Dylan song that was covered by a right. band who made it more famous. Because that to me the sounds Mighty like... Mighty Quinn. When the Saints go marching in. Right. That's what I thought you meant, like something that old. <laughs> Uh, the Mighty Quinn. Mighty's a good name. Good first name. By Manfred Mann made it a hit. Manfred Mann's not a bad... <laughs> not a bad... Um, what about first name Mann, middle name Fred, surname Mann? Oh, yeah. I so like if, you wanted, if, you want, if you know them quite well, it's Man Man. It is. It was a song written by Bob Dylan um, in 67 and then Manfred Mann made it a hit. <laughs> Man, Fred, man. Man, Fred, man. Jordan well, Quinn, a.k.a. Man, Fred, man. <laughs> Thanks so much. And finally, I'd like to thank from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Go Penguins. Go Penguins. Is that right? We're allowed to say that one? Yeah, Pittsburgh's the Penguins. Thank you to Jake Colliga. Jake Colliga. Oh, that's a name you can set your watch to. Oh, Detective okay. Jake Colliga. This might be one of the greatest batches of names we've ever had. I think every week somehow you guys manage to top it. Jake Colliga. Okay, something to do with uh, penguins. Pen's a good name. Pan. Pen. Pen. Yeah, pen. pen. And Caliga is a bit like college, like a university. What, 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 mate, what do you think of? What would you call a penguin who went to university? What would you? What do you reckon their name would be? Picture a little penguin with its backpack on, maybe a Letterman jacket. Uh, and, um. you know, he's going to a kegger party. Oh, yeah. But he's also like getting really good grades. His CPR or whatever they say. SATs are high. <laughs> SATs, STDs, he's got them all. What about... I'm thinking Jason the Penguin. Jason the Penguin. Jason. So, is uh, Jake Colliga's fake name, Jason. surname, the Penguin? <laughs> Jason the Penguin. <laughs> I'm incognito. Uh, oh, yeah. What's your name? Jason the Penguin. And, I, and, and uh, Jake never takes his sunglasses off. Yeah. <laughs> Even at night and inside. Jason Penguin. <laughs> Jason the Penguin. There, there's the middle name. So, normally no. he just goes around as Jason, Jason Penguin. Penguin. <laughs> but if you're, if you're being, you know, on his SAT report card, yeah. it says Jason the Penguin. <laughs> so, thank you very much to Jake, Jordan, Kathy, Kat, Mandy, Haley, Adele, Elise and Kate. The last thing we like to do is welcome a few members in to the Triptych Club. Just two inductees this week. Uh, So, the way this works is if you're on the shout-out level or above for three straight years, you're welcomed in to the Triptych Club. Uh, It's a bit of theatre of the mind. There's a big room. There's a stage. Dave's standing on the stage. He's your hype man. Uh, The crowd, everyone who's been welcomed in before is going to be in there clapping along, cheering your name. And Dave's going to um, welcome you in uh, with a little little pun work on your name or something like that. Uh, I'll be at the door. I'll be reading out your name as you enter. Dave's also booked a band normally for the after party. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this week, you're never going to believe it. We've actually got Bob Dylan. Holy shit. Performing. 
from 1967, his hit song, later covered by Manfred Mann. The Mighty Quinn. The Mighty Quinn. Wow. But he's doing like the 30-minute like Bob Dylan he's, version. Yeah, he's doing all his song, He's playing all his songs that were made famous by other, other people. Yeah. So all along the Watchtower and other... <laughs> yeah. Well, there's quite a few. He'd probably he'd be able to pad out a whole set with songs that are probably more famous by other people that he wrote. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so there's just two inductees. Jess normally comes up with a cocktail, uh, the Ethel. So I'd, I'd say it's probably... It's going to be... Um, ethyl eth- The ethyl It'll be Would it just be like straight uh, Meth Meth yeah, Meth Methylated spirits Methylated spirits Yeah Just homemade vodka <laughs> Yeah But Sold to you as if it's a very high quality Yes that's high right It'll price. be in a martini glass Yeah, yeah. Oh You sip it and you go Oh that's strong And you go yeah yeah You get used to it keep, Just keep drinking And also give me some money <laughs> Yeah That that one is a hundred dollars Yeah for, for the drink and a meet and greet Um <laughs> can imagine Ethel just sitting at a desk and people lining up to meet her. Back then, that's what they did. They were lining up. They're like, we don't even know who it is, but look at this queue. It must be something <laughs> it important. Must be good. Uh, all right, so just two names this week. Uh, you ready, Dave? I am ready. So usually Jess hypes me up. Did you say you were going to hype me? I'll hype you up. Please. Yeah. Okay, I need you. Okay. Because obviously a hype man needs a, another hype. Yeah, no, hyper. I'm feeling good. I'm f- sometimes I'm a bit negative because. Often you, Bob, like you do a really bad job. But today, <laughs> I want to put that to one side. That's why I'm going to put uh, the history of your past performances to one side. I want to believe in you. I'm going to try and look at it half glass full. Oh, God. Glass <laughs> <laughs> half, half, half full. Half glass full. That's a good name. If, we've, if we need to give anyone else a name, half yeah. glass full is a um, glass. No, it is half glass. Anyway. So first up from Corvallis in... Oregon, I reckon, in the United States. Jason Gears. Oh, put this night into first gear. Yes, Dave, you've done it. Uh, <laughs> and from Severance in Colorado, the United States, it's Ethan Gilbert. We will never have to sever this relationship. No severance pay because you're in for life, Ethan. Dave's in hot form tonight. Thank you so much <laughs> and welcome, Ethan Gilbert and Jason Gears. Grab a methyl ethyl. And make yourself at home. Methyl Ethel's a band. They yeah, it is, isn't it? To be honest, they're not playing. But anyway... But we got... I mean, I mean you, we got Bob we Dylan. We got Bob Dylan. Is well, anyone complaining about getting <laughs> fucking Bob Dylan? There'd always be someone <laughs> complaining. I just don't get his voice, man. Uh, so, that brings us to the end of the episode. Anything else we need to tell people, Dave? Uh, we've got new merchandise available. You can go to our website, dogoonpod.com, and click through to our new merch store. We will ship it anywhere in the world, and you can get... T-shirts, sweatshirts, sweat jumpers, hoodies. It's all sweat. It's all yeah. sweaty. All with our real sweat on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, right? we've pre-sweat through them all. Uh, there's stickers for, and there's also stuff for Bookcheat and Primats, our other podcasts. You can get mugs now. Mm. All sorts of stuff uh, made to order and shipped to you. So, so if any Americans listening love having that mugger joke. <laughs> We got the mug for you. <laughs> I love a mug of Joe. <laughs> love a mug of Joe. Uh, when I, when I don't know what it is. It's a hot chocolate or is it a coffee? Who knows? But when you sit back in Decatur, oh, having your mug of Joe. I'd love just... There's nothing more relaxing than a morning cup of Joe. <laughs> in a mug. In a mug, yeah. 
Cup of Joe. Mug of Joe. <laughs> no, it is Cup of Joe. It is Cup of Joe. Fucking hell. But right. we, we don't sell cups, we sell mugs. Yeah, that's right. So that's the dogonpod.com. Upgrade your Cup of Joe to a Mug of Joe. <laughs> Uh, also on our website there's links to uh, our Patreon where you want to support the show you can suggest a topic via the website and you can get in contact with us on our email dogoonpod at gmail.com or follow us on social media at dogoonpod you know something I've recently discovered we used to say to people hey if you listen on Apple you can give us a rating out of five which is great people still do that appreciate people doing that gets us up in the charts you can also rate podcasts on spotify now i've noticed oh i didn't realize that so That's cool. a lot of people do listen to this show on spotify so i think it take you half a second you go on the app uh look up our That's show quick if you gave us five stars in half a second give yourself a pat on the back yeah have a mug of joe yeah have a mug of joe on us yeah anyway that'd be nice if you, you it probably affects where we go on the charts for that dave kind of please don't take me over the 40 minute mark here <laughs> we gotta wrap this up we'll be back next week with another episode but until then i'll say thank you so much and goodbye laters bye Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.